Oh, I forgot the damn cable. Um, it goes into that topic when you were, because you were saying how to not telling people how to live, but teaching them how not to live. And that kind of reminds me of the same thing. Hey, morning, guys. Welcome to Red Morning. You got Wine More Please back, carved out some of his precious time for us, and it's going to be a blast. Give a morning. shout out. <laughs> morning, Ryan Stone's channel. Also, not by choice. Literally, everything's canceled. So this is the best thing we can do right now. <laughs> yeah, I figured for some uh, for some comedic effect, I added toilet paper to the uh, shenanigans <laughs> behind me. <laughs> Every day, you're going to tell how much panic I have. It's not going to be on a one to five toilet paper scale. So we're sitting at a solid two right now. <laughs> See, but, uh, I didn't have the problem at all. I had Amazon and I messed it up. So like I order things from Amazon and then all of a sudden I get three and a half, four and a half boxes of toilet paper. So according to the wife, we have 30 rolls at the very least. I'm like, is that enough for a month? She's like, no, we don't use a roll a day. We have <laughs> like three months worth. I'm like, oh, okay. So. I still laugh the whole, they're doing it here, but the panic here is so predictable. Like for example, mm -hmm. Yesterday, went to make some salsa. I had to go to the store, get some cilantro. Huge lineups, a bunch of grocery stores. I'm like, oh, it's annoying. We go into the store, and what do I see? I see lineups of Karens with shopping carts full of alphagetti and cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I go to like the dry goods. I see these like giant bags of rice. They're just stacked up high. There's huge pallets of potatoes, nothing. Like anything you can't cook, people are screaming and stealing off the shelves. Cultural differences. Go to an Asian grocery store and see how much rice they got. Because oh. all the old Asian ladies are panicking with the rice situation, too. Actually, that's funny. What they're doing here <laughs> is they're waiting till the uh, shoppers drug marts or London drugs opens and cleaning them out of Purell. They're like <laughs> forming lineups in the back. It's hilarious. Uh, every, it's going wild, man. Like even my nurse is on this. I, I got my annual physical because I'm like, well, seems like a good time as any to get an annual physical. Mm -hmm. But so this nurse lady, she's telling me, Oh, yeah, we were at, you know, the grocery store the other day, and we have enough toilet paper. But everyone's freaking out about toilet paper. I'm like, what if in three months we run out of toilet paper? So she goes, they bring out a new pallet of toilet paper. She buys, like, four rolls, and she's like, oh, it was 98 bucks for four rolls. Totally gouged. Still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing I don't need it. And they did. She bought it. She bought $98 worth of toilet paper, not because she needed it, just because everyone else is doing it. Dude, that's that hive mentality thing. That's right. That's kind of, right that, I think it was you. Yeah, you put me onto that. It was the, I can remember, was it on a comment or in mod mail where you put that? I quote, mind you, where you said that we're not here to tell you how to live your life. I don't remember. Probably on a post somewhere. Yeah, but that was damn. It's one of those <laughs> things that, like, I never would have thought to say it, but once I heard it, everything kind of clicked into place. I guess for you guys, if you don't know, he's a fellow moderator at the Married Red Pill and, We've just been around for a while. It's kind of funny because there's always an influx of new guys and the old guys often have to like reiterate very basic concepts about frame, about being attractive, not being unattractive, getting out of your wife's frame, all this kind of stuff. And it was one of those quotes that he had. I don't know who started it. It was some random new guy asking. Oh, yeah, he was asking about what he should do. He just basically did that standard post where he puts his life on a post and then he says, okay, guys, what do I do? <laughs> it's like everyone. That's literally everyone that goes through and half the people who post it on your shits. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's ridiculous. Because put aside the sheep 
asking for a shepherd thing, whatever. There's Jesus for that. The fact that you're asking random assholes on the internet, you don't see anybody's face. You don't know who anybody is. There's just like a small veneer of authority because it has like a flare next to you on the, on a subreddit on Reddit with less than a hundred thousand people. I mean, I not to hate on them. I mean, it does sound ridiculous when you put it that way. Mm-hmm. But I definitely spent $1,000 because some idiot on the internet yesterday said, buy Zillow puts. So I went and I bought Zillow puts. What's so a Zillow, I can kind of, Zillow is a home real estate group, technology group over in Seattle. Oh, and, stocks. Uh, stocks, yeah. And they're like, yeah, this stock is in a crash because whatever reason, like, oh, okay, that sounds decent. So I went and I spent $1,000 on Zillow puts. So listen to random idiots on the uh, internet without any foundation, without any basis, and doing something stupid as a result of that, I totally relate. Nice. And See, hopefully as... I make a bunch of money. So, you know, whatever. And I'll be like, well. Well, that's yeah. the thing. And you know what? You're one of those guys. You actually earn money. You actually have success in your life. So for you, it's kind of like a no big deal. You'll bounce back, whatever. It's not yeah. as if you're, it's not as if this is his only paycheck and this is what he's spending it on. Toilet paper and real estate. <laughs> this is, this is my Roth. Roth 401k uh-huh. where I'm trying to lever up and make a bunch of tax-free money. So, oh, okay. Uh, so like our TFSAs. Yeah. Those are nice. Uh, no. So I don't know what your TSFA is. I don't understand Canada. Tax-free savings Never. account. It's post-tax money, but once it's in there, there's no capital gains or taxes on it. Exactly like that. So yeah, but yeah. So we're trying to make money there because you know, it's post-tax and anything post-tax doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So that you're right. This is like, I'm not, it's not going to, to lose a thousand dollars is not going to mean I have to go sell my ass on the street or something like that. So. True. And I got to admit for the first time ever, I think I've made a f- smart financial decision. Like I'm the guy who uh, like didn't invest in gold in 2005, but went into like real estate and banks. <laughs> like that, that's, that's this guy. <laughs> So I have, and it's mostly because I just trusted my advisors and obviously they sell me the stuff with the highest real, with the highest fees attached to it. So they made a killing off it. Great for them. Um, I finally got a bunch of money that I'd been uh, having to logistic problems. Anyways, it's like a hundred grand. And I'm like the guy, as soon as it got into my bank account, he's like, yeah, let's start talking about investing. This was last year. And I'm like, you know what? I don't trust you. I'm going to sit for a minute and wait for it. And right now I'm laughing because now I'm sitting on like a hundred thousand dollars and I just have to wait for things to bottom out that got good, uh, that good fundamentals. And it should be a solid investment. You got that uh, Warren Buffett mentality right there. Hoping That's so. Your, no, I mean, that is the Warren Buffett mentality. The first oh. thing is don't lose money. First rule of investing is don't lose money. And the second rule of investing, if you're going to do long-term investing, is be patient and wait for the opportunities. You were patient and you waited for the opportunities. But the other thing that's interesting about your story is this, though, right? Yeah. Who do you choose to listen to? We're people on the internet. We've got nothing. You had the financial investment people in 2005 who you knew and had a relationship with. And why was their advice any better? It's not. It was worse. <laughs> Your guys' <laughs> random advice on the internet solved problems. <laughs> that's the other thing. And that's helped with Corona essentially because like, it's very hard for me. And I don't know if it's just a thing about getting older or what, but trusting authorities implicitly because after like the 18,000th time I've been let down, it really starts to sink home that 
almost nobody knows what they're talking about. Oh, that was such a wild thing that I realized in jury duty too. Hmm. Can't talk about the trial, but I can talk about being on jury duty. And there's like this 22 year old blonde chick who just trusts like the police transcripts and and the uh, you know 911 recordings and things like that. And the amount of weight that some people put on there uh-huh. to authority is insane. Whereas like yeah, and yeah, authority figures. Why do you why do you trust someone with perceived authority? As if they know better, or they remember better, or they detail and facts better. I want to think it's something. I want to think it's something innate, like some kind of instinctual <laughs> thing. Because I remember when we had uh, border patrol training, like when you're on a navy ship, when you go into a foreign port, your port counts as like sovereign Canadian land or whatever your country is. So we'd have to learn to be port security, basically our own version of the police, and you learn the rules of escalation. And the first one is like officer presence. So there's clearly something to just dressing in something that looks authoritative that gets 90% of people to fall in line. Yeah. Which I guess it made sense back when you were just like tribes of cavemen, the guy who had the coolest loincloth probably did carry the most sway and had the best idea on how to hunt. So I can see the point, but we're a little past that now. Yep, we are. I mean, but it's also one of the reasons why I married Red Pill or why I try not to do anything special for Flair and made Red Pill. Mm-hmm. Like, it's on you to figure out how to decipher advice. It's a good point. Yeah, I'm conflicted on that. I remember because we talked about this like a year or two ago. And my thought was it helps guys give them a quick nod if they don't know anything and they're brand new. At least this tells you, like, if you got two conflicting ideas, maybe give this guy some weight, like as a little as a little nudge. But then again, after the fights with like, uh, oh, you guys may not know this, some inside stuff like 88 Will. Remember his little temper tantrum over getting Flair? I love that. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird, guys. So like Flair <laughs> was just there um, to let you know, like this guy's been around a while. He probably knows what he's doing. So don't don't trust it wholesale. But, you know, give you a little nudge and like, hey, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. And then as soon as that happened, guys instantly started like having fights about how they were owed flair. Like it was a trophy or an award and they were throwing it around like, like a dick swinging contest. (laughs) And I think that's where most of the, uh, if you guys also don't know, there was like a huge rift between, well, not huge, but there was an ego driven rift between the red pill proper and married red pill. And the whole thing it was, is like guys who would be flared in one assumed that they, their flair mattered in the other, which didn't. And so everybody was just sitting there having these big AMOG contests. Meanwhile, they just look pretty childish. Almost like my tweets yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a ton of engagement, by the way. Just, you know, oh, you haven't was... liked those tweets or retweeted. Yeah, dude, uh, they call they call me immature in that, but nobody ever called me, fa- like, <laughs> nobody said I was lying. And nobody said you were wrong. Exactly. Nobody said you're wrong. <laughs> um, all right, quick thing in the chat here. A hairy butthole. Oh, that's cute. Do you have any videos of Kino Kinosthetics? Kinosthetics, is that like calisthetics, but with a uh, game? Uh, uh, no, I don't have videos of me touching girls, though. I'm not Joe Biden. There, It's out there. 10 steps of Kino videos are out there. Mm-hmm. There's like a series of 10. I watched it at some point. It was interesting. I guess I could always just make a reference. I wonder if the old DVDs of the Mystery Method are out there with like Neil Strauss with the occasional mystery pop-up. Cause that's what I took way back in the day, like 2006 or five or whatever year it was. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know where they are now, but I thought that'd be absolutely awesome to see those come back out. Neil Strauss with that ridiculous outfit. He always wore like a button-down shirt, but then he put a t-shirt over top of it. That was like his thing. <laughs> that look did not age well at all. <laughs> the 2000s. Yeah, I think the mid, uh, early and mid 2000s were an entire fashion disaster, according to people <laughs> in the know. I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. Especially since I remember the 90s had that horrible fashion look, that like retro 70s thrift store look, and then the 80s with giant shoulder pads and talking heads videos. Yeah. Dinner, or was it dog dinner bowls on people's heads? A Devo look? Ridiculous. But there's a thing going on today with the youth of the generation. And I only know this because there is a lifeguard I was talking to. Usually <laughs> she's a lifeguard. Um, yeah. But today she was a lifeguard on stand. And so like, not today, yesterday. She, yeah. But she had a whole bunch of makeup on. Something about like the generation of girls, this generation with a ton of caked on makeup. Oh, so they got odd, the makeup but, gun set to whore? Oh, it's disgusting. It's terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. I don't know what the deal is. I wonder... So you know how you always have see you old ladies? That, yeah, have I have. But I yeah. always just assume, like you see old ladies who have like caked on super bright colored makeup and they look like clowns. And I'm wondering, were they just young hot girls that nobody told them that it looked bad because they wanted to have sex with them? And then they finally turned like 50 and nobody wanted to anymore, but they still kept it up because it was just routine. I don't know, man. Well, see, I, I have a theory that, that yeah, all crazy old ladies were just hot young ladies that nobody said no to. And so they never, they got like a warped view of reality. Um, and, that, and now they're fighting over toilet paper in the mall. You could ask them. They're like, hey, why do you look like that? Is it because you're hot and not? <laughs> or are you just mentally insane? Out of all the autistic openers that I've seen fake ass day gamers apply, I think that one would be the best out of every one of them. <laughs> Oh, um, I got, I got back to the topic. Then I was thinking about when you were saying, uh, telling people how to live their lives versus telling or showing the, or teaching them how not to live their lives. That was the wording. And I want to, it's important because you even said yourself, the distinction was important. And I realized that's where a lot of, I don't want to say frustration because there's other people and I don't care, but it is annoying to see how many people are just telling people what to do. No authority behind it, and it's just given so freely. And I'm just like, I understand it. People probably understand on some level that I could sit here and preach and tell you what to do. I could pull a ruche and you got to find Jesus and Corona is the devil or whatever. But if something goes wrong, like I'm obviously not going to be accountable to that. I couldn't be, even if I wanted to be. But you're still willing to follow somebody's categorical advice of what you should do with your life. And I, the only conclusion I come up with is that people were meant to fail because that just seems into it. Yeah. Like if you want to start shallow, sure. Let's start shallow. The easiest reason is, okay, cool. It's easier to follow than try to come up with your own path. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're some guy lost somewhere, having some crisis, the easiest thing to do is just follow someone else's instruction, right? Hey, Mr. Lost Guy in the Jungle, go that way. <laughs> I don't know any better. Okay. Do, 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 do. You walk along and then you get more lost. You're like, well, fuck that guy. That guy was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> 
He told me to go this way, and I went this way, and now I'm more lost. And that's his <laughs> fucking fault. Right. Meanwhile, that but guy you never see him again. Yeah, exactly. That guy's like, cool, I just helped someone. Look at that. I just helped him. I helped this guy get unlost. I did something good. Let's do something good again. Oh, dude. I get it. Yeah, because he doesn't see the results of his crappy advice. The crappy guy never sees him again. So everybody just assumes everything went well. <laughs> Meanwhile, it was an absolute garbage fire. Mm -hmm. Dude, I, go... I thought you said you were starting shallow. That is shallow. If oh, you go a little deeper, though, you want to think about the reason why the guy who's lost in the wood is even willing to take advice, right? Mm -hmm. Because the first thing is if you take someone else's advice, it's no longer your problem. It's no longer your responsibility. And if you're a guy who's lost in the wood, if you're a guy in a dumpster fire of a message, your guy come to ask MRP, the notion of being responsible for the decisions that you're making and the consequences of said decision is not something that's common to your personality. Ooh, well, right? Yeah. So you're so used to being deferential. It's the same reason why people are angry. Like, oh man, I the angry drivers. You hear guys talk about that. I'm so angry all the time, man. Those drivers, those other dickhead drivers on the road are pissing me off all the fucking time. Oh yeah, right? those faster guys, the guys faster than me are insane and the guys slower than me are assholes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's not my fault. Like it's you know, I'm driving the way I drive. Everyone else is a dickhead. I'm doing what I do, right? Like I I oh sure my marriage is fucked, but it can't be me, right? It's not my problem. So mm -hmm. let's just Look for advice. Let's see what other people say because other people have good ideas. Uh, and we can take the collective approach, the collective mentality to figure out what, what we're trying to do. And therefore, I can make a decision based on everyone's opinion. But the problem with that is that you're not actually owning the decision. You're not owning the consequences. What you're doing is you're outsourcing a lot of information. And then based off of that said information, you take what you think is good and then you go and do it. But that is not your decision. Ultimately, that is not a core decision that you've made on your own. Like there's a subtle distinction between making the information with relevant information. Yeah, it's clear. Using... Do you read Twain? Uh, no, I don't read. Because Reading you basically words. described his uh, short essay, What is Man? When he talks about how man doesn't, nothing is developed in a vacuum. Like if a man is a train, he used the, like, the examples of pig iron. Did the rock want to turn into pig iron? But no, some outside force had to do it. So nothing a man does can be, of his own volition. Yeah. And it was just kind of interesting because you basically walked through that conversation exactly the way he did. Yeah. And, you know, we're influenced by it. Like there's psychology that says we are so influenced by outside perceptions. If we don't, uh -huh. the reason you get the last word in any type of conversation is because the last word, it's what's, what's most influential. And like people are so easily swayed by the last opinion. So people are go, I just want advice. I want to hear other people's thoughts. Most people, when they say that, is I want to hear other people's opinion. Is I don't know what to think. Tell me what to think, so I don't have to own those thoughts. And it's very subtle, and it's very subconscious. Yeah, to um, tell what to think versus how to think. Exactly, and it's like if you if you don't know what you're trying to get out of the conversation, you're just going to take whatever the strongest frame's position is. This is the whole notion behind frame theory, right? Someone has a very strong worldview. And unless I actively try to understand or interact with that, I'm just going to buy into whatever that person says. And so all these people who are lost and looking for someone else's guidance, quote unquote guidance, probably don't want guidance. They just want someone else to tell them what to do so they don't have to put in the work of leading because end of the day, leading is, is hard. 
because leading means you have to have ownership of all the downstream consequences. Yeah, I was going to say not even hard, maybe difficult might be a better word because I mean, let's face it, I've anybody who's failed realizes that it's not hard to fail and it's not hard to bounce back. It's just mentally difficult. It's hard to succeed. Success well, yeah, is hard. Succeed is hard. <clears throat> yeah. It takes work to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Failing is real easy. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll take Failing. a quick break here for Sam's $5 super chat, where he says, after the fall of the USSR, a lot of bureaucrats in Moscow were drinking themselves to death while their wives were shopping in Western Europe. Well, if my wife was spending me out of house and home, I'd be drinking too. Actually, I was. <laughs> that was what brought me to the doorstep partially. But yeah, that was the, th oh, finances. That's a good point. I was thinking about that when you were talking about taking the ownership and doing advice. I have a feeling a lot of guys are financially really like hard done by now because they basically defer to their wife's nesting instincts like that. Yep. Yeah. My girl, for example, when we first got together, she was horrible with money, but you know, she did her thing. I did mine. I didn't care. Once we started buying real estate together, then it started to matter. Then did the standard manipulation thing, you know, got angry and I would acquiesce. And that was old, old, old blue pill me. And then we ended up with like stuff that we clearly couldn't afford. And that was probably one of the best things about, I think it was you dropping the F-bomb on me. I think my very first thing when I suggested buying flowers after that fight. <laughs> Still embarrassing to think about till now. But yeah, just that ability to say no and take ownership of the house as a unit. Even though it's her job and it's her money. Well, and it's it's like, it's my relationship or my family unit, I guess. Yeah. And so well, no, I mean, just even though it's your money, no. Uh, you want ownership, right? I mean, it's, it goes back to fundamental. I, I, I just, yeah. It's all fundamentals. That's the thing. It's, all it's, all, it's so simple. Yeah. Once you get to that point, this all becomes very simple and predictable, but to get to that point, it always seems like this convoluted mess of nonsense. It's like that Bruce Lee quote. Uh, when I first learned something, before I learned it, a kick was just a kick, a punch was just a punch. Then I learned it, and a kick wasn't a kick, and a punch wasn't a punch. But then once I mastered it, a kick's a kick, and a punch is a punch. Yep, exactly. Just make it, just make it, yeah, it's depth, not width. Yep. But I guess Puma's very subtle. I'm not getting it. I'm okay to listening, but don't play victim. It's my choice. It includes part of the advice in its own. Very subtle. I'm not getting it. I'm okay listening to advice and don't play victim if my choice includes part of the advice and it's bad. I own the decision, so I don't get it. I think I mean, it's by people saying own it because I think that's that vague nicety that people say that sounds good and it yeah. sounds like it, but it doesn't really have any meaning to it. It's one of them container words. It's because they don't know shit about you, right? Like the advice someone gives you may not apply to you. If I'm trying to, if some paraplegic is asking how you can run faster, and I'm being like, well, you got to train quads. Sure, <laughs> good advice. Yeah. Not applicable. And so, uh, you know, it's like, okay, for paraplegics, like, okay, cool. I'm going to own the decision to train quads because this guy listened to me. I'm going to try to do it. Right. Yeah. But how the fuck are you going to tell a paraplegic or quadriplegic or wheelchair bound dude to train quads? He can do it. He well, can that's do what... it. But maybe the advice is you can't fucking run, dickhead. <laughs> yeah you can't run buy yourself an automated chair you'll go faster yeah but then then what's your goal is your goal to get in better shape then you know that would have been bad but if your goal is just to move places faster then that's a great goal but you're right and that's why i love uh, i don't want to call it a system because then that's going to make it sound like some goofy day game routine but 
I can't think of a better word for the what, what's done at the Married Red Pill, but a system. Well, what we do at Married Red Pill, if I have to put yeah. it in a word, is is to teach guys how to figure out the right question to ask. Right? It's not, you know, the quadruple says, oh, I want to run faster. And Married Red Pill would say, you're asking a wrong question, dumbass. I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. You're not asking the right questions. Like all of Ask MRP is, you're not asking the right questions. How do you ask the right question? And this is like the same thing with professional ones. Like, okay, here you have all this information and this yeah. is what we think we want to do. Okay, let's step back. What are you trying to do? And what are the questions yeah. you want to ask? Ultimately, what are you trying to accomplish by saying that's what you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard one. That's why I like, and I know, I think this is why one of the reasons why Jack and I got into a fight. Because I would rather somebody learn what they don't want to do so just handle it on the surface. And most of the time people will argue, Hey, my wife hasn't touched me and she's disrespectful. What do I do? And you're like, oh, okay, well, the issue is just having that. And here's what you do to get the wife to be, stop talking. And here's what you do to be more attractive. So you have more sex with her. And then they argue with you. And so that you can tell right there that what they said they want isn't what they want because they're arguing. Cause it's not what they want to hear. Hold on, hold on. Is, oh no, Jack Napier. No, Jack Ten of Hearts. <laughs> yeah. Jack Ten of Hearts. <laughs> like it's Jack Napier, Jack Ten of Hearts. No. no, no. Oh, that would be awesome. Finally. <laughs> and I remember the that. You see those, And you and I have like a sort of different approach, but sort of similar. Yours is just way less patient than mine. Mine's kind of, I kind of like it for its own sake, just because it's interesting. Um, so then a guy will argue with you. So you clearly know that's not what he wants. And then you kind of get asked again, like, what is it you're actually trying to do? The sex is exactly. an easy example. Yeah. For the married guys, they're like, why won't for my the wife, wife be- right? Yeah, exactly. And my first question is, okay, go fuck someone else. Yeah. And because then you end get of the arguments. Day, <laughs> end of the day, it's like, oh, da, 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 da. well, I don't want to fuck anyone else. Okay, well, then get a knife and put it there. By the way, not advocating it, right? This is, this is not advocating anything. Don't do this. But, you know, theoretically speaking, if you're so desperate to get your wife to fuck you, what do you want to do about it? Oh, no, I don't want that. I want her to love me. It's like, okay, if you want to control what she's thinking and how mm-hmm. she feels. Well, you can't fucking do that. Yeah. So then there, expectation management. It's a tell it's a paraplegic trying to fucking run. You can't do that. So dude, I love that. And then you gotta and then you get to that point. Okay, so what do you want? I want I want her to feel a certain way. I'm like, well, you can't do that. And that's it was something I came up with dread because I was reading. Uh I don't know if you were caught up on this, you're probably busy working, but Dr. Sean Smith, a psychiatrist, he got fed some information about what dread game was from a couple sources that have no idea what dread game is. And so we thought it was pretty horrible. It sounded like he was manipulating his wife. And so I'm like, you know what? This is like a good time to actually correct him. Cause I like the doc. He's a smart guy. And I go reading through our stuff and I realize our dread stuff is so out of date. Like it's, you know how the first step of dread is frame, right? I've never read it. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> it probably seems fairly too, but anyways, the first thing is about building your own frame. And then once you get to the end, it's still about telling your wife what you want her to do. And I was like, dude, this stuff is so out of date from how we're actually applying it. Yeah. Because uh, I think you and I, I think agree on this, that dread is assuming your relationship is already dead. Like if she hasn't had sex with you in two years and you guys can't stand each other, the only advantage you got right now is you have a sparring partner, somebody who's seen all of your worst behavior and bullshit for so many years that you can practice. So if it works on her, it'll work on anybody. Um, kind of like a branch swing, but with an olive branch. Not quite like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, how do you for, see it? For me, dread the whole entire concept is 
a person learning how to be independent, you know? Um, the wife sort of doesn't matter in the equation, but like dread and principle is a way to unfuck a mindset. And so like, what's step one? Well, get in shape. Yep. Step two, go do hobbies. Step three, recognize your options. Step four, yeah, go and execute test, on comfort tests. Yeah, exactly. You know, five, recognize you have better shit to do. If your wife is a cunt, you don't want to be there. Don't be there. <laughs> Own the decision. Don't be there. That's a deceptively I, hard step, just so you guys know, by the way. Just telling a guy to leave the house when he can't stand his wife. He wouldn't believe how much friction there is on that. Yeah. Get better have better things to do. You know? Like and then don't it goes back to the whole our initial conversation about owning the direction you're going at. Yeah, there's consequences, right? And she's gonna react. But like if you want to get out of the house because your wife is being a horrible mean cunt. Get out of the house, knowing that you might lose half your assets, knowing whatever downstream decisions you might impact on. Well, that's what I love, because then the your pathway becomes clear. So, for yeah. example, if you're leaving the house and all right, we'll get to Sam, we'll get to yours in a second. I'm just going to put it up. If you leave the house knowing that your girl might take half your stuff, that's fine. And if that's something that really worries you to the point where you won't leave the house, well, then, you know, right there where your where your pain point is. So you go talk to that's where you go talk to a lawyer and you find out, OK, in a. In a divorce settlement, here's my, I can live with this. I can't live with this. What's probably going to happen? Like you figure out what's the worst case scenario and you do what you can to make the worst case scenario something you can live with. So when that time comes for you just to walk away when she's being cunt, you can do it. And you're no longer having that fear of coming back without half your stuff. Cause you already know what the likely scenarios are going to be. Either she's still going to be there and she's going to be better. She's still going to be there and she's still going to be the same bitch. Or she's not going to be there and you've already discussed with your lawyer what the options are and you know what's going to happen and you're okay with any of those solutions and alternatively for most guys there's a subtlety at the layer of dread which is if she's not any good and she's not any fun i'm going to go walk down the road to go see mary who is kind of fun who is kind of sexy because she's a better way to spend time than you and you can do whatever you want i don't care yeah. about that but i'm going to spend time with mary because I get there, she gets on her knees, and she's sucking my knob. I think that well, was your here. Top, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What was your Gosh. line? Uh, it was about cheating. Oh, yeah. If you told your wife, like, if I'm going to cheat on you, you'll be the first one I tell, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think people understand how deep that statement went as far as frame control goes. Uh, no, they didn't. It works on, like, so I was with some girl last weekend. Who's like, oh, I shouldn't be with this is this is like a while part of my life that I shouldn't even be talking about. It's none of your business, but I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> uh, so I was with uh, a, a girl and she's like, Oh, I can't go home with many people. I'm like, I can't go home with many people. I'm like, that's okay. We don't have to do anything you don't want to do. So naturally we go home, uh, her place. And she's like, Well, how does your wife feel about this? And I'm like, one, we all understand wanting to have sex with other people. That's like not a question, mm -hmm. right? We all we all get that. Where, where cheating messes it up is the, the lie, dishonesty. the dishonesty. No one's gonna fault you for trying to fuck someone else. Like you know, it's when you tell someone you're not gonna fuck someone else and you do, then they can't trust you. Uh, and I'm like, at that level, it's it's a she doesn't want to know, so I'm not gonna tell her, right? 
And then the, the problem, what I told her, it's like, if I ever think I'm going to fall in love with someone else, then we got a big problem. Mm-hmm. But up to that point, like, like I mentioned in this week's post or somewhere, it's like, well, I was like, yeah, if you have a girlfriend and it doesn't impact my life, I don't really care. Um, so it's a very old mate cad like statement, by the way, somebody managed to find somebody made an archive of all his old posts. Oh, Jesus. So they're back. <laughs> People are obsessive. <laughs> Well, I like it. I'm, oh, yeah. I haven't told you this, too. So Patreon now, um, I added another feature where we had like uh, we're having a private forum for the guys. It's kind of neat. It has that feel of like married red pill when it was just 2000 people again. Yeah. But I thought because we got all these all this value, all these posts and people are deleting stuff constantly and things are getting wiped off the Internet. And if you want to find good stuff from like married red pill or the red pill, you have to wade through like hundreds of like crap posts. So I'm like, why not try to make some kind of library of Alexandretta? I figure if like the one thing that I seem to do all right <laughs> is that the new book. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the new, dude, the new book is way like I I'm not hyping it at all. Like I'm literally not hyping it because I think if people are expecting like the rational male 2.0, it's like, no, this is basically one part Bukowski's women, one part Jordan Peterson's 12 rules for life and one part Neil Strauss's the game written to an eighth grade reading level. <laughs> Too advanced for me. <laughs> I read uh I read fuzzy animal baby duck books. Oh, you don't just put baby shark on repeat and then leave the room for 10 hours? No, no. I read about the the baby animals, how the duck has soft down feathers and you can touch the down feathers and <laughs> <laughs> my how the topics of this conversation change quickly. Uh okay, quick break. I guess Sam, we've been waiting making you wait long enough. Uh, you say religion is like a virus that starts small and spreads aggressively, then it becomes mainstream and dormant. It's funny you mention that because I don't know if you know who Susan Blackmore is. She was a scientist that trained under Dawkins, and they talked about memetics. If you guys know of memes, this is kind of where it started from. And that's where she talks about how genes are a way of transmitting data across you know, eons. And on a shorter time scale, our social evolution meant memes are doing it. And that's just anything. So, for example, if one of somebody has to wear sunglasses or glasses to see, other people notice that and the guy can read better. And so that spreads like a meme or ideas like a meme. And religion seems to be one of those. And I would argue it's exactly what Winemore Please is talking about, where people really like to offload the responsibility over their own lives onto an authority. And I think religion is just the, it's the best way to do it from like a, from a larger social and like tribes, 150 people, a strong guy can keep it in line. But once you get to a certain size, you kind of need larger, deep narratives. And I think that's the purpose of religion. Yep. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, I will say this though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, if you can make it work for you, right. I mean, end of the day for me, it's, and you, I think it's all pragmatism. Yeah. And so if you can offload that ownership, and still make it further your own purposes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's cool. I have no problem with that. I just don't know how it would work is the problem. Red pill Christians, they're like, my, my mission is God. Oh, yeah. you That's that's kind of like your guilty pleasure, isn't it? Watching those guys <clears throat> contort the Bible into red pill, and then hopefully it works? Well, uh, a little bit, yeah. Or more correctly, I think what's happening there is focus on the mission of God. Like, we, we talk about... At Mary and Red Pill, we're like, focus on the shit that you want. 
you know, so you have your own frame in that sense. But yeah. the red pill Christians, what they do is they take that message and say, your mission is God and serving God and everything else is secondary. Like it, conceptually, it ends up being sort of same where it's like, if women are not adding value to your mission, which has now been defined for you, yeah, they don't matter. So they have to give you a reason to give a shit about them because you're busy doing your own thing. It's a neat little pathway. So obviously then they still don't divorce. So it's just, you end up in a, a dead bedroom with an absent husband, but he's happier for it. Exactly. Because they, the, the point isn't, I mean, it's never about the sex or the divorce or whatever, right? It's about that feeling. Desire or... No, the fulfillment. Oh, right? okay. Fulfillment can come from any number of ways. People are not happy in dead bedrooms because they don't feel fulfilled because they don't feel anything gives a shit about them because, you know, nobody has anything. You know, they expect something and it's not happening. But what else you got? Huh. If you're in a dead bedroom, what else you got going on to validate your life? Yeah, fair it's enough. It's not for me, but it, it makes sense now that you put it that way because I just keep, honestly, my my first impressions of it, and this is probably the worst first impression to have, was that post from uh, our resident Christian lawyer there, Red Curious, where he was conditioning his wife for his touch again. And it was just so like, I, Oh, the whole thing I, just made me shiver. Yeah. I agree. But that's long ago. Like whatever. No, I mean, not, I mean, yeah, it's not for me either. Um, yeah, but, but if it, it works, works, it works, it works for those guys. Right. End of the day. It's like, I don't care about whether you agree with me. It goes back to the topic at hand. I don't care if it, if I agree with it, I Does care it that you figure out for you, you can figure out and make it work for you. Doesn't make you happy. Doesn't make you feel more fulfilled. <laughs> I was just arguing with another flared guy a little while on that. He was mad about my manufactured outrage, and he prefers uh, spanking and like aggressive uh, face fucking. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I don't care if yours is better. Go for it. It's all yours. This one works for me. And then I kind of made a reference to. Uh, I always pronounce his name wrong. The SF Plus, the guy who loves stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know there's this guy he's absolutely awesome went through a horrible divorce like anything like an mra wet dream kind of divorce and after that he just basically put his head down focused on his mission and he's all kinds of degenerate and his big claim to fame is he loves sticking things in his butt <laughs> but he's crushing it so like good for him not for me Unlike yeah, Stedman, though, he's not uh, he's not asking or getting everybody to ask him questions about it. <laughs> no, we're not. I mean, I think this is it, though. Like, I don't care what you do. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I care about what you shouldn't do. And what you shouldn't do as a man is, you know. Defer to an unknown or unwilling or an authority that doesn't have your best interests at heart. And it, or, or if you do that, don't complain. Also right? true. <laughs> Like you talk about the going back to the red pill Christian people, they're like, this is your mission. Your mission is God. And no, none of them, if they are they're like, well, why is my mission God? It's like, okay. Cause we're telling you your mission. God, and if you got a problem with that, then go do something else. But, yeah. You got baptized. <laughs> like it's, it comes with, it's the consequence yeah. of your action. Yeah, exactly. So. Look, you made me just enjoy that place a little more. I'm going to have to go binge read it. I think. Oh, uh, I only read it like once a week for their own your shits. And I roll my eyes at that. But oh, do they? Do they, know, those? <laughs> they do. They're good. They're uh, good. They do it in their little Christian ways. Oh, you that's can't neat. swear on that subreddit. They'll they'll remove your post for it. Oh, that sucks because uh, you know what? I, I don't want to troll them because they are no. they're doing work, and I get it. And I would hate to interrupt a guy trying by being an edge lord or something. But 
I keep thinking back to that Martin Luther quote, you know, the guy who started the reformation where he, yeah. if a wife wasn't sleeping with her husband, he's yeah. like, first thing you do is you go in front of the congregation and you call her out in front of everybody. And if she still doesn't do it, then you go sleep with the maid. And I'm like, dude, yeah. if that's Martin Luther saying that, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> like, come on. They've, Short they've of one of the own, apostles, uh... who else do you got? <laughs> they've got their own Ask RPC subreddit too. So if you want to see dumpster fires from that person, oh, it can't be any worse <laughs> than the Ask PPD one. <laughs> I don't know. We should do the should do a, uh, a chart someday. What another crossover with them? Chart. We'll just do a chart. We'll <laughs> diagram it. <laughs> it drives. I don't know. It's weird. It's like it's whatever. Yeah, it's the whole thing. I just it's amazing how difficult it is to get a guy to think about himself as his mental point of origin, especially when everybody I see on social media is talking about being an island of one. Yeah, like, do you know how many accounts have alpha, uh, pinnacle, masculine, man, uh, pictures of and no offense to you, <laughs> pictures of uh, fucking Spartans? On the Ravi, sorry, Kong, but I have to go after that one. <laughs> it's like it's all this feeling, like, oh yeah, this is this is me. I'm the island of one. I'm the man among men. I'm the greatest thing that ever, whatever. And you know, Colin, I sit at Lloyd's Coffee House and I'm having beers with it. with Hume. Uh, yeah, but the whole uh, time it's just like this weird, thinly veiled cope. Yep. Yep. No disagreement from me. But You're so part... unique and special, just like everyone else in the manosphere. But that's the thing. That's what gets me. It's not so much that it's a cope, but the fact that they're doing it tells you specifically that they know they know they're not living up to this ideal. So there's a part of them that knows they're not doing it. And I don't get how this convoluted LARPing is a better use of time other than, like you said at the very beginning, I think with your shallow interpretation, it's just easier to defer to some narcissistic archetype. Yep. Which the Spartans are a horrible one anyway. That empire was ridiculous. They they were the first divorce rape culture. Women got everything in the in the divorce or in the widowship. And it, after like a couple hundred years, girls had like all the money in the society. And so they were like the main force. And that's partially one of the reasons that Spartan fell that. And they always considered themselves the outsiders, outsiders in Greece. And so they never made any attempt to immigrate anybody else or change anything. And they just slowly stagnated i didn't know that yeah it's really neat when you find out about it like their whole system was essentially that uh what was that guy's name noah ravoy where he just wanted to build a cabin in the woods and go mm -hmm. live there and let the world burn around him not realizing that you know in athens guys that are buggering each other in bathhouses somehow still manage to thrive in spite of their degeneracy and they just kind of sit there and slowly wallow away Nobody wants to trade with them because, you know, they don't believe in money and nobody wants to give them ideas because they don't want to hear it. And the wives have all the money. So the only thing the guys can do is go to war and all their slaves are constantly paranoid about a, a helot revolt. And they're just assuming that, you know, the slaves that they get on every conquest are what's going to take them down. But they keep adding more. It's like a heroin addiction. <laughs> Need more slaves to make money because my ex-wife has everything. <laughs> and those slaves are eventually going to overthrow me. Well, off to war to get five more. Oh, my God. Only thing I know about Sparta is the movie 300. Yeah. Not I enough in that movie. And I think that's why everybody loves it because, oh, those guys had abs. Abs are manly. <laughs> tell that to any power. Tell that to Magnus von Magnus when he's doing strongman. 
I don't remember ever seeing an ab. I remember seeing a giant beer keg there with a giant boulder on top of it. Uh, yeah, I don't find that attractive, though. No, not at all. Not well, that's the thing all. with lifting, too. A lot of guys are like, I just want to lift and be strong. And at the end of the day, they want to be strong, so it's attractive to the other sex, even if they don't admit it. And Dr. David Buss, Cindy Minson, they've been talking a lot about this from an Evo psych perspective. And they found from studies that take what a guy, when you say muscular man, you take a guy will show you what he means and a girl will show you what she thinks it means. And for a guy, it's 20 pounds more muscle than what a girl would think of muscular. So when a girl says she loves muscular men and then guys show pictures of bears, yeah, why don't you find this attractive? It's because to her, that's like, they're not even on the same wavelength. Yeah, it's just one of those funny little things I've noticed. <laughs> what the hey? Let's give Drew. Let's give Drew some uh, for this shade. I like it. <laughs> Saw that I laughed. <laughs> Dude, it's doesn't it feel thing, weird? It everyone feels is weird. selling you, selling you all the time on how unique and manly they are. There's yeah. something about like guys going out and proclaiming that they're the epitome of manliness that just strikes me as. It's off, but like I said earlier, I have problems with authority. Yeah, I, well, I have problems with authority that betrays trust. Like you get one shot at me. <clears throat> Military yeah. betrayed my trust, so no more queen and country. Cops, yeah, they've kind of lost their trust through many experiences. Not, I'm not even just talking about like the Baltimore and American stuff. Yeah. Like even in Canada, Montreal cops, perfect example. Montreal cops were horrible. They had ticketing quotas, so they would basically make up rules you broke to give you tickets so they'd meet their quota to get their funding. And anytime there was like student protests over college wages, there was a there was a cycling event where bicycles would uh, crowd the street and ride for a couple kilometers, 10K, for bike safety because people kill bike cyclists in Montreal like you wouldn't believe. I almost lost two fingers just from a cycling accident there from a car side T-boning me. And the cops ended up crashing it started tackling dudes off their bikes and throwing the bush throwing the bikes into the river and stuff so these cops had built up all this bad will because you know i i got bullied in high school now it's your turn and then <laughs> it turns out the government took a, a, a break from paying into their pension because they had to match the contributions so they're a billion dollars in debt for their pensions right now and so the cops started getting mad now they're like now the cops are protesting wearing like camel pants on patrol and that Surprised that nobody cares. <laughs> Everybody was like, nah, screw your pension. Where were you when uh, I asked you to stop cracking me upside the head because I wanted cyclists to be treated with some safety on the streets? <laughs> but I think it's, it's a whole thing. It's just institutions that had a responsibility for the public trust have been so rampantly betraying that trust that I am not surprised how irreverent people are. And I'm still surprised people panic over coronavirus when you got all these authorities telling them that the sky is falling and you got to start hoarding ammo and canned beans. Did you like that for a segue? <laughs> I got nothing. Nada. <laughs> Dude, go I'm Canadian. Yeah. And we have, we have healthy, <laughs> we have a healthy relationship with government. It's not like the States where you're, you're basically built on stabbing the government in the heart. We just waited a hundred years and asked nicely to leave. So I'm, I'm going to rewind a little bit going back mm. to the, that was too much. Too much, too hard for me. <laughs> I went back to the gym. <laughs> my buddy, my buddy who actually does the whole gym thing, he doesn't do accessories. I'm like, why don't you do accessories? I'm like, uh, it's not functional. I'm like, okay. But then on the same, on the next sentence, like, yeah, the only people who ever compliment me are dudes. I'm like, okay. 
kind of lets you know what do you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing that always bothered me. I don't. I hate the lifting out to impress other dudes thing. Uh, the the yeah. gay Lou Boyle approach of just being like big and swole and nat natty or whatever you want to call yourself. I, I don't know how you look at a picture of GLO and take him seriously. I just don't. Well, if you know what GLO stands for, I don't either. I know, the only reason I, I even bring him up is because he kind of irks me. I'm sick and tired of being memed as a Jew. Well, not just a normal <laughs> one, but like, dude, it was like a Shekelstein thing going around for the longest time where like, I swear to God, he was putting on jack boots, then getting into Microsoft paint and going to town on it. It was really annoying. Wait, hold on. There's memes of you as a Jew. Yeah. I to see that. Uh, let's uh, go to TRP.red. I don't go to that website, man. I don't support the entire brand. That brand for me is useless. It's uh, like a bunch of false. Uh, yeah. 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 None of those guys strike me as people I would ever want to take any advice from. I, I mean, so, so back to the point that, you know, it's like, who do you want to take advice from? Um, I'm really kind of selective about that. I try to find the people who seem smart or seem, but how do you figure that out? Right. Replication like is the only to... way I can I can yeah. say that works. Try it, see what you, what what happens, and then you know the more things you try from somebody that work, the more trust I give them. That's kind of why I like when you said how you describe married red pill as uh, teaching guys what not to like. I say it's about replication. Oh, interesting. Like you can be a complete moron in there and have the stupidest life ever, but if you say if you give your field report and I can take that try a part of it and it improves my life in some measurable way. Well then right there, that's awesome. And repeat that 20, 30,000 times. And you end up with one really smart person with 30,000 idiots helping them out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting because where people go wrong on married red pill, especially are like where they try to preach and we try to process, prophesize. And it's like, oh. this is how you have to do stuff. This is the way. <laughs> and they get killed for this is the way we yeah, had the are, communication. What is that? The blog. We had the the back and forth. But this is how you should be thinking about communication. And then the feedback. Like, this is not how you should be thinking about communication. Uh, yeah. Well, dude, Seepin, I loved. I'm so glad he came out with his. If you guys don't know, it was a post. Um, one of the guys. He was one of the flared guys too. So right then, even though we have authority, it's not really authority anyway. Talked about how he was essentially communicating with his wife and communication was great. And yeah, everybody here says it's not alpha, but he does it and it works great. Another guy in there who's, I love Seepin because his story is awesome. He's the only guy from the married red pill who had no less than three other subrets and maybe 30,000 people calling him an evil misogynist and harassing him constantly because he dared to take, <laughs> take responsibility for his own life. And he held frame through all of it. And so when it comes to communication, and holding frame. I can't think of anybody who does it better than him. <laughs> Do you remember his his deal there when uh, it was his wife wanted a third kid and he didn't? And so uh, he kind of made her cry and everybody got just jumped all over him on it. But he didn't didn't budge. Well, that's was, right, right. Yeah, he you was willing to that. leave over it. He was like, no, this is it. This is my boundary. No. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that actually, I mean, that segues into a, a topic that is personal to me. When people say they have a boundary, but it's horseshit. Mm -hmm. Like guys don't know them well enough, themselves well enough to know whether or not their boundaries are horseshit. Yeah. And I think a lot of guys don't really know 
what they're actually willing to fight for versus what they think they want to fight for. We've got this inflated image. Well, they find out when the girl calls their bluff and they always do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I mean, even in the red pill LARPA sphere, um, you know, I'm an alpha male. I'm an alpha male. Are you though? Are you really? (laughs) Or are you just projecting that? Like you were saying, is that just a label you want to slap on? So you feel better about yourself. Oh dude, I see that's 100% it. Yeah. My tagline is listen to me. <laughs> and yet here I, I am. What's up, guys? Baseline. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> I'm the median. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to be special. I don't need anything to be special. Hey, you don't have to be special. <clears throat> um, nah. Actually, I guess we'll do in this one. Glenn, thanks for the $10 super chat. He's got here. Why do women excuse, justify, and downplay when they cheat? But if their guy cheats, nothing he say can excuse this behavior. She can say she is sorry. She can say she is sorry, but he must prove he is sorry. Um, I'll tackle this one quick, and I know I already kind of know what you're going to say, so I want you to have the floor all to yourself afterwards. First thing to take from it is there was this great post by somebody called Chump Lady called Real Remorse or Genuine Nagahide Remorse. remorse. Um, A lot of guys, they want to believe that she's sorry and it wasn't her fault because that means that she didn't cheat on him, it wasn't that bad, and it's nobody's fault. And so they kind of buy into their own delusion. So the reason girls say that is because it works. If they use this magic collection of words that mix shame, wounding, anger, and they put them all together, you'll do exactly what she wants. So she doesn't really care. She doesn't know it's complete real politic. And as far as why do women uh, not put up with when guys do, girls put up with it all the time, but they don't. And I think one more police talked about it before. What they don't put up with is deception. If you're upfront about like, I'm either getting my needs met with you or I'm getting them elsewhere or I'm just going to be a dog. It is what it is. Like as long as you're upfront about it and consistent and not rubbing her face in it, you fi- you'd be surprised what girls will put up with. Not suggesting you do any of this stuff. I'm just saying. Yeah. We're not telling you what to do. Yeah. Or, we're telling you what not to do. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to her mouth words. <laughs> Watch her actions. But anyways, here, I know I already know where you're going to go with this. So please here, I'll put it back up I, if you want it. <laughs> sure. I don't understand the question, man. Like what is this? How could she this... slap? Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't understand the fucking question. It makes no sense to me. Are you saying like guys have to apologize? You don't have to apologize for shit. You're like, oh, you're upset. I'm going to fuck your mom instead next time. Stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but, if it gets to that point, fuck it. I mean, men justify their shit just as much. I don't understand why this is like women only excuse and justify well that's because we don't have sex with men so we don't see men doing it people here if they're having sex with men would be cheated on too so (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's a given i've seen the statistics on that (laughs) gay marriage is open marriage (laughs) open hunting season she can say she's sorry but he must prove he's sorry i mean yeah i don't i think that's the thing that's back to authority like he's put, you're putting the girl as the authority in your life on this one. And I think that's why the question isn't very easy for weak mind more pleased to even understand. He makes himself the authority. So yeah, women can excuse, justify downplay if they cheat all they want, but you don't have to care. And if you cheat, nothing you say can excuse his behavior. Well, you don't need an excuse. And yeah. if you make yourself the main, I always call it like the main, the protagonist in your own life story, then this question won't make sense to you either. Where do you think I was going with this one? 
I thought you were basically going <laughs> to drop an F-bomb on him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a guy who doesn't get it. I, I read questions like this. I'm like, okay, this is a guy who doesn't have frame, who doesn't have uh, understanding of the concepts, who doesn't have that self-model. Self He's not grounded in his worldview, right? Like that entire question is all women are this, poor men that. Right, that that's the tone that that question struck me with, and I just mm -hmm. think it's just such a wrong and it's such a weak tone. I agree. Like it's the women bad men helpless tone. It's like no, dude, I I, I couldn't I, agree more. Yeah, Glenn, it. and don't take we're not dunking on you here. This is honestly a way for you to do what they call a cognitive reframe, and people are really good at it anyway. So you might as well use it to your own benefit for once. And I know that sounds like the secret, you know, if you just think it, it becomes real. But a lot of times it's just how you perceive a situation. Going back to, yeah, the traffic situation, right? People mm -hmm. are so pissed off at, well, drive. I'm driving my own way, doing what I can, doing the whole defensive driving thing. And I'm not worried about it, right? Everyone else can do whatever it is that they do. I'm just going to drive how I'm going to drive. And if anyone else wants to be upset about that, that's, that's their problem. Right. But if I'm getting upset because other people are driving ways that I don't want it to, one, I have no control over that. And two, that's not a them problem. That's a me problem. <laughs> Dude, how funny is this when we were basically <laughs> dunking on religion earlier, but it's essentially the serenity prayer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys don't know that one. It's uh, God, give me the strength or the strength to endure what I can't change. The uh, something to change what I can. And then the wisdom to know the difference, essentially, if it doesn't, if you can't change it, it's just put it out of mind. Yep. She is sorry, but not sorry. Yeah, dude, that's, I think more guys need to understand subtext. Mm -hmm. I really do think it's like a really big crux. Too many guys are very systematic and literal with language and they forget the process mm -hmm. under the communication. Like, why is she saying that? Yeah. Well, think about it this way. Why is she cheating on your ass? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just she's it. she's doing it for a reason. She's cheating on your ass because, you know, if she gets caught, she's not doing it because she doesn't think she'll get caught. Women aren't retarded, right? She's doing it because at the moment in time, whatever you were offering isn't worth the experience that she was about to have. You're yep. not worth the not cheating. You're not worth the not fucking, whether that's sober, whether that's drunk, whether that's whatever, right? She's willing to risk losing you to go do it. But if she knew, for example, that the moment anything, the moment you didn't trust her, you were gone and you were worth keeping, that would weigh into the persuasion. That would weigh into the you know, thought processes because that's what we do. Yeah, I like when your we... choice of words, by the way, too. Not trusting her is different than catching her. I think guys, anyways, whatever. I'll get back to that later. Yeah, and, and this is like everywhere. If, if you're... If they're not afraid to lose you, if they don't care about losing you, then they're not going to work to keep you. Part yeah. of not fucking someone else is working to keep you. So, yeah, it's the chase. It's yeah. it's fun, and that's the thing. It always bugs me. Everybody treats this like you have to <clears throat> scare her straight, or like no, people are afraid of losing things they want really bad as much as they are afraid of a consequence from like a big bad meanie head. What are these questions, man? <laughs> I'm being trolled. <laughs> ah, you know what? You can't pick your fans. It's fine. Jeff, uh, is society doomed to fail due to female mating preferences for aggressive males? 
Well, for the last 2 million years, it seems to have worked out all right. We went to the moon, so I wouldn't worry about it. Society will be just fine. Individual guys may be screwed, but they can't really blame anybody else because I this is my biggest gripe with the MRM or the men's rights guys is that almost all of these male problems they complain about are opt-in problems. And most fucking people are married. Like, if you think about it, most guys out there, the vast majority of the people are married. So even if you're in the, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60%, you'll probably get married at some point. And you'll probably get fucked at some point once or twice. Yep. Thumbs up. <laughs> and, and, so, and so, yeah, and there's cohabitation. <laughs> That's kind of becoming a bigger thing now, which I agree. Nothing says you have to have a ring. Yeah. To be to be in a relationship. There's no law and of the universe. Society is going to be fine. I mean, aggressive males. I don't know about that one either. Because I think at some point, women catch on to the game. Well, that's that whole alpha beta thing where you can... He's really good for feelings. Like, thug guy yeah. is always fun to screw with. But eventually, the anxiety is just too much. And he's not going to stick around. And they eventually go find uh, that guy from high school. Hey, yeah. I always wondered about where you were. <laughs> Let's yeah. have a baby right now. <laughs> Second date. <laughs> um, I am with one more please too. It's not so much aggressive males. Like that's a factor of it, but there's nothing aggressive about a hedge fund manager that does blow on the weekends. It's just exciting. And I don't know if leadership is the right word for it, but do you know where I'm going with that? It's like, uh, there's some, I differentiator that makes him better than the average person that they normally see. That's what I was told last. So you can take this for whatever it is I was told. And I get told this by my wife and other people too, but mm -hmm. it was like, you're just so confident, almost cocky. You just knew what you wanted. Right. Like I, I was, so I was at a wedding, which again, warm social game not really challenging but it's like i'm there i'm having fun i'm doing my thing i'm dancing dance where i don't give a fuck right interacting mm -hmm. with people doing whatever and just having fun um that's not aggressive that's being engaged and knowing what i want out of life and when there was an opportunity i knew what i wanted from the opportunity so i went and uh went after it yeah i guess aggressive is like a subset of that that all poodles yeah. are dogs not all dogs are poodles thing yeah. So Jeff, I hope that answers your question a bit better. Uh, I'm going to follow Puma here with the thumbs up on that one. But and I don't like you. I don't mind these questions. Like a lot of the questions, even though like from somebody like you or me, they may sound strange, but I find it fascinating because in the same way the internet is, you spent most of your life like all of us did. You eventually cull your social circle. So the guys you cannot stand eventually you just don't see them around anymore. So you're the where you are socially, like you're surrounded by good people, I'm assuming. Most of the time, people that you work with or you socialize with are good people and you like associating with them. The internet is this huge back door where the riffraff can come right back in. And so it reminds me that there's like a whole element of the human experience that's not my professionally curated one. Oh, well, yeah. And no, I don't think I'm they're curious. bad questions, but I, I wonder about the mindsets though, right? Like the mindsets, oh, I, mean, I think are, I look at that over here. I'm like, they're so jaded. It's like yeah. women, what, because they all imply that women are somehow an enemy or an opposing force or some sort of like contrasting force. 
or whatever it is. And I, I don't think that's the case, right? I think you have a duty to understand that women are not the enemy. It's just life, right? It's not like all women or anything like that. And I'm not accusing all of them. They're like self interest, solipsistic. Like, it's just they're doing exactly. what they do for them. And it's what we do for us, man. Like, well, it's what we should do under, for us. I don't think we do. <laughs> no, understand the understand the game, and then understand how it's and yeah. make it go. Yeah, yeah, true. All right, Glenn. I think you've already asked this one. Um, do you want us to expand on it or what? Just say something in the chat. So I'll come back to that later if you have something to expand on it. But thank you for the second ten dollars super chat. Uh, one man way with his again. Thanks for the ten dollars super chat. With any tips to tactfully deal with female family members who push marriage on me from a religious mindset. Yeah, that's please just amusing. Show them how you spell tactfully. Wow. <laughs> no, show them how you spell tactfully. Be like, yeah, nope, please do. Do <laughs> just get rid of the K. You'll be fine. <laughs> oh, you got to be the Nazi on that one. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not supposed to say that on YouTube. I think we just got demonetized. Damn it. Shoot. Oh, well, whatever. Um, yeah, if they push marriage, here's the thing. And it's the best way I've found to have the mentality of dealing with girls. Um, what are they going to do? Can't fight you. If she fights you, you can just put her in a bear hug and she can't stop you. So you're never, ever going to get an ass whooping by one of your sisters. So at that point, all they can do is talk. So it might hurt your ears a bit. Just kind of laugh. I mean, there's easy I... tools for this one. There's the governor one. Amuse mastery. Yeah, maybe someday. I just haven't found the right one. Answers well, their like, question, gets them off your back. So do you know more about his story than I do? Um, about like, is there a person that they want him to marry or the fact that he wants to get married? Just in general. Um, I know a little bit of his story. He was engaged there for a while. The girl pulled some thoughtery. He pulled his self, his dignity out, uh, got the <laughs> ring back. And now he's out there slaying. Nice. He's kind of in a smaller town, so it's harder to run game. He doesn't have the population, but he's making the best yeah. out of his situation. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, he switched on. He's one of the good ones. Cool. He, he would definitely um, have the flair. <laughs> <laughs> who pushed marriage? I mean, I, I understand what the actual what the uh, question is like. Why do they want you to get married? Right? What do they want out of that? Is it because they want? What's their selfish objective? Is it because they think you're a loser? Is it the fact that they're ashamed of the fact that you got hose? Um, is it because? They want stability for you, you know. I would assume this is solidarity. Guy? People like to have their own lifestyle reflected back on them through the people around them. Well, and de depending on what that is, I'd have different responses. I wouldn't, you know, he says tactfully, but like maybe the next family gathering, show up with three girls and be like, hey, these are my girlfriends. We're going <laughs> to get married. Ooh, that's a good take. Why tactfully? That's a good point. Why do you have to? Honestly, it makes a lot of sense because our Christmas uh, tradition that we had in our family is we get in a big circle, sit around on the sofas where we used to watch wrestling <laughs> and we take turns picking on each individual member of the family with all the red button issues we've had for the last 20 years. And then once, and then once we're finished on the uh, circle, no. then we just go drink and have fun. Now, like all the, all the fighting about Trump or whatever's out of the way, we can just get back to drinking. <laughs> Not very tactful, but we don't have yeah. actual fights. We just have these manufactured. It's like literally wrestling. Like it's not real fights, but the, the theater is all there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe some manufactured outrage would be good for your family too. Yeah, why? Hmm. I think the tactful part is you don't want to hurt your sister's feelings or 
female family members, all of them. You don't want to hurt aunt's feelings or mom's feelings. Just don't be afraid of hurting their feelings. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings anyway. Yep. What do you want to okay? do? I mean, my question to him would be, what do you want to do? Ooh. Yeah, one man's way. Put it in the chat. What do you want to do? Let's let's dive down this rabbit hole. That's his question. So what do you want to do? Well, this my is, question, this is a great example. No, this is a great example of the topic at hand, right? Yeah, yeah. We're not trying to tell people what to do. We're trying to tell them not what to what not to do. And the what not, to, what do not here, to do. Exactly. And the what not to do here is just make, you know, I to to tell them, yeah. The what not to do is to say, hey, I'm gonna go get married. Obviously. Yeah. Because someone else wants you to get married. And then hiding the badness, another glimmer <clears throat> one where you kind of say something, you lie to them so that way it keeps the peace. I think that's another thing not to do. Exactly. And don't be afraid. The other thing not to do is don't be afraid of them judging you. Yeah. Show up with a harem. Sort of don't show up at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just blow the entire question out the water. <laughs> I like that one. But yeah, it's, yeah that, I, it's that reframe. It makes everything makes so much more sense afterwards when you realize you don't have to take responsibility for anybody else's emotions or what was the thing? Verbal intercourse <coughs> is optional. Yeah, exactly. That's one of my favorite posts, by the way, of all time, just for the metaphor. Was it Scorch saying or Sorcerer King that did that one? I don't remember. Oh, well. Okay, here we go. Uh, they're religious. They believe in no sex before marriage. So it's just a lot of nagging. I'm spinning plates and having a great time. Oh, so you just don't like nagging. Why Dude, is that's natural. Like, I don't, I don't see him why that's your problem. It's not, but I, I think I get where he's going with this one. Yeah. So yeah. you just want the discomfort to go away. Dude, we used to get this all the time whenever somebody was AWOL or drunk at work and we had to charge him when I was in the Navy. You give them the riot act, right? We had such high hopes for you, but you know what? Just fess up, do your time. We called it like theater. And every time it would happen, the guy would cry in your office. It got, it's so consistent that I actually was trained on how to deal with a guy crying in your office. It's messed up. And they would admit it because they want you to think of them as a good person. Meanwhile, your investigation is shit. You'd have never caught them with anything. So they admit everything. <laughs> you give them the summary trial. You give them their token punishment, three days, seven days. I've seen some cases where a guy had to go to cells and it starts with a strip search. So it's no joke. And then afterwards, you just realize like, oh my God, this whole time, had you just kept your mouth shut and not said anything, this would have all gone away. And in 15 minutes, nobody had cared. So I think that need to remove discomfort is a real problem. And there's something innate in us about it. I would suggest then if the problem here is just the discomfort of nagging is that you got to be okay with discomfort. Or it like, and then that's as a stopgap, like one more sensitive or weak. I keep getting your two names Whatever. mixed up. It doesn't matter. Why more please will suggest like, yeah, just don't let it phase you. And that's fine. And if you can get there, that's great. But if you can't, you just have to understand that nagging is something that's viscerally going to make you uncomfortable. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's natural because back in the day, cave Stacy used to nag about the bear being in the cave. And if you didn't stab it, your family didn't reproduce. So, and then I'll say, if you know, when I play games like this, when people want to play games like this, I play to win. So if they're uncomfortable with that discomfort, play to win good luck man good luck uh, one man army yeah that's a good one too huh. this makes so much more sense by the way about glenn yeah his question thank you so for the follow-up by the way glenn so i cheated jumped through the hoops to repair things but then i found out my wife has cheated on me three times but i'm the dog dude there's so much projection in that that makes sense I know. yeah 
Yeah, cheaters always assume you're cheating. In this case, you were. Liars assume you're a yeah. lying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> grifters always assume that you're grifting. <laughs> Here's what I would tell you what not to do in this situation. Don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, you're letting her judgment of you actually matter. I mean, you went, you had sex, you had affairs. Like, I think the problem for me here is you jump through hoops to repair things. When you fuck other women and you do that consciously and then you try to apologize for that, that makes you look bad. Yeah. You cheated. You fucked another woman because you wanted to. Because she was sexy. Because she was there. Because she was willing. Because you fell down and your dick got stuck in a hole. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, there's always so, ways yeah. you can take it. There's negative inquiries where you could say, you know, yeah. if you're cheating on her and sleep with somebody else, there's clearly something that you're not getting at home. Either she can't provide it or she wouldn't provide it. There's that self-reflection part on in there. I mean, they oh. didn't know she was cheating too at the time, but clearly at that time, you guys have this hidden assumption that the relationship is solid when it clearly isn't. You guys are getting your needs met elsewhere. And what you have here is just a different scenario. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the whole thing has some dishonesty to it. But well, I, I'm with you. He says, that. he says, I'm the dog. Yeah, she's going to say, what do you think she's going to say? According to who? Like, what's your, I mean, she's like, if that would have been phrased, but she thinks I'm the dog, I'd been like, okay, cool. He explicitly wrote, but I'm the dog. Yeah. He's buying into her frame. He's buying into her worldview. It's all, you know, the mental model's not there in my world, but whatever. But oh, I'm with you. Yeah. What did you think she was going to say? Well, you cheated. I cheated. I guess it's just a wash. And we're both bad people. What girl on this in this face of the earth is going to admit that she was wrong and she's a bad person? Find me one. I dare you. I will send you a thousand dollars if you can find me one other than doing it as a thirst trap. But yeah, that's. WMP, 100% right. Her judgment is that you're the dog and her cheating was justified because, you know, something she did makes it different. It's okay when I do it. It's not okay when you do it because my way felt good and your way hurt my feelings. And that's exactly what she did here. And then jumping through hoops, just like he said, that was there for you to appease her feelings. So right there, you're saying that she matters more than you in your life story. And that's, of course, that's why this all thing goes to hell in a handbasket. Cause you put a cheating, <laughs> a cheating hooker as the, as the mental point of origin in your life. Of course, it's going to go badly. Oh, his, he's got that fall up. No, I'm saying that. Why is it that? This, oh, here's, the here's a different. No, 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 it is. It is. No, he, no, he's right. The standard oh, okay. is different. And I'll tell you why, because she has frame and you don't. It's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, essentially. You notice that? She didn't care. She didn't care. She did what she did. She probably rationalized it away as, it's not so bad. It wasn't my fault. I slipped down and fell on it. It was because you weren't doing whatever. I'm sure she had tons of excuses and rationalizations. She deered the hell out of it. The fact that you didn't is exactly where you're in this situation. I can't... Yeah. Uh, the, the fact you jumped through hoops, the fact you tried to appease her, the fact you bought into her frame. If you would have been like, hey... You weren't feeling the need. You weren't up to par. You weren't up to snuff. There's no way in hell she'd call you a dog. She'd be calling you a player. <laughs> oh, she'd yeah, she'd get mad, kid. but the actions would still speak for themselves afterwards. Exactly. But like, I think that's the, you, but I definitely the takeaway. Yeah. Take Because once you sleep, once you cheat on a spouse, I'm assuming wife, I, you know, did you say wife or girlfriend? Either way, 
you know that sleep with somebody else, there's going to be a chance that they're going to leave you over it. Whether it's big or small, irrelevant. You know that there's a chance and that is now on the table. She could have left anyway, but now there's like a physical reason if she wanted to leave, now she can leave. Because girls like to have reasons for things like that. Once you did that, you understood that that's on the table. Wife of 13 years. So yeah, you got the itch. You knew as soon as you stepped out of the marriage, you gave her enough ammunition to say, I'm leaving him because he's a dog, even though she did the same thing. And you just need to be okay with that. If she wasn't doing what she wanted to do, or maybe it's just you wanted some strange and whatever, but you knew that there this could have been the consequence to it. And you just, yeah, be okay with it. I understand. I'm a dog. If you want to leave, there's the door. See yep. you in court. Bye. It's good. I had fun. Loved the last 13 years. Yeah. All that nasty shit I did with you. Dude, one of my but... clients, we just finished a couple months back. This is exactly what happened. It was 14 years and his kid just got to uh, high school aged. The wife decided that, you know, dude from soccer practice was more fun than her surgeon, surgeon husband. He yep. came to me with that exact same thing that how can she slap? Yep. After six months with me, we've got it to the point, dude, he's at the point now that not only is he divorced, he's upped his notch count from like two when they got married to like 30 yep. in the past year. He's <laughs> his game is better than mine ever was. And because he was like this whole time, he was trying to make her feel happy. He was like a nervous wreck. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, I'm a surgeon. <laughs> I own motor. I own a motorbike and I've basically divorced. So I have, I don't have to worry about, you know, do I want a family? He's like, I already got all that stuff out of the way. I could be a degenerate exactly. shit bike now. <laughs> that's His, my mid thirties crisis. <laughs> oh dude. And it's not, and that's exactly the midlife <laughs> crisis. And it's, I know you haven't read uh, Rolo's post on, he's like, all the midlife crisis is, is a guy realizes he's worth a damn and starts acting on it. Oh man! Oh, let's go back to Glenn. Yeah, let's go back to Glenn. Not that one, but the, yeah. Stop the self-victimizing bullshit, you fucking douchebag. Seriously, I read this and I want to slap you. Like, come on. Are you the you bad guy in your own mind? If you're not the bad guy in your own mind, why the fuck does it matter? And if you are the bad guy in your own mind, then maybe you should have done something about that before you decide to have an affair. Mm -hmm. Really, really simple, right? Now you just got to live with that. Yeah. So. In fact, be, I would just say be comfortable being the bad guy. Yeah. I'm the bad guy in plenty of people's stories. I sleep perfectly fine every night. Exactly. I, like I said, just from yesterday, me starting some shit just to, just to drum up some interest <laughs> in my Twitter experience. I already know there's like a half dozen people who can't stand the sight of me. Well, okay and that's that. parenting for me too, man. Like, yeah, at some point, I, I know I'm going to have to be a bad guy. It doesn't mean like I like my daughter less or whatever. It means that at some point, I'm going to do something like disciplining or punishing whatever that she's not going to like. Mm -hmm. Cool. Like, I'm not going to let her judgment of me impact the need, my personally, to go discipline her. Yeah. But Glenn, yeah, internalize this stuff, man. Just ignore the being the bad, like, I'm the bad guy. Just accept it. All right. According to her, I'm the bad guy. According to me, she's the bad guy. Now everybody's bad guys and you can get on with your day. Plus, it's cool. The Joker was always cooler than Batman in the Dark Knight anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, he, he had better makeup skills. <laughs> His voice was a lot sexier. It was a little nasally, not so gravelly. He didn't have all those dog bites. <laughs> No, and he could take man. a mean, like he could slam his head into a safety glass and he just bounced right back from it. Batman couldn't do that. <laughs> Batman fell off a girder and he was like limping around riding a motorcycle after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's the... Yeah. Ath Fox Society. 
Yeah. What is society? All society is, is somebody else's frame on mass. This is just oh. the same thing that we can, or wine more please has been saying just on a macro level. 500 chicks are going to say the same thing that, that his wife did and 500 guys out of those, maybe 400 of them are going to be simps and take their wife's perspective anyway. Cause guys have no frame. 490 at least. <laughs> 490. Yeah. So that's the thing. Out of a thousand people, 500 guys, 500 girls, 900 and like 90 of them are going to say this because they either have no frame or they're self-interested to the point of like what you actually want. But those other 10 guys, everybody will call them bad guys, but they're probably still going to get laid. And officially you're one of them. So I wouldn't even be worrying about being the victim because it sounds like you, it sounds like you're the winner in this scenario. Yeah. I can't Why think of. Yeah, how many guys married for 13 years can still pick up and slay it when they want to? <laughs> I was so fucking pissed off. A coworker of mine is like, oh, yeah. oh, I have to take advice from married people because they can't do anything. They, they, <laughs> they're out of the game. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I'm like, he's it's a coworker, right? So I'm not going to be like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, I guess. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, making sense again. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, well, okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, this is from Tom. Thank you for the $5 super chat. You are a good sport because I do give you a lot of grief. I don't know if you know this guy. He's um, he's the uh, the pastor of the Manosphere, I guess is the best way to put it. Very devout Christian. I don't know why you even listen to my stuff. I'm a dirty heathen. My dog's named Christopher Hitchens, but thank you anyway. Um, studying presuppositional apologetics will help you learn frame and also give save your soul. See Cornelius Van Teel. I'm gonna have to I look this no stuff up. <laughs> me neither. I tell you what. Um, put in the chat if you can give me like a, a teach me like I'm five years old of this thing because I don't know what this is. And I last thing I want is to do a live stream of me looking things up on the internet in front of you guys. I think that's horrible. That's horrible entertainment value. Presuppositional apologetics. What the? F so presuppositional, you're just assuming apologies. You're assuming an apology. Well, I'm gonna try to understand it in the way that I do. Um, if someone, a three-year-old, four-year-old, twenty-seven-year-old, <laughs> is accusing you of being a big meanie for whatever reason, naked or whatever, I would just laugh. I'd be like, "That's cute." Oh yeah, put her put the kids finger painting on the fridge, pat her on the head. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I like how uh, I it's... that. I used to steal that line all the time. And I said, what are you gonna do? Drop kick her through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad uh I'm glad it's I'm glad to know that you feel that way. <laughs> Ooh, fogging too. You know this is my favorite part. So you're notorious for like I haven't read any of this stuff. You've just literally like all these people figured this stuff out, wrote it down, and then you got the books. You got Rational Mail, you got Donner Glover. You didn't read any of that stuff. You've just literally built your own machine from the ground up. And it's largely been the same machine that's in all this stuff too, which I love because it's a great replication. But yeah, that's essentially fogging. Well, okay. I can see why you'd feel that way. You're acknowledging that, yeah, from your perspective, if I do this stuff, of course it's going to look like this. But you're not taking ownership of her feelings over it. It's like, you're allowed to feel whatever you want. Okay. 
Oh, here we go. A presuppositional apologetics believes Christian faith is the basis for rational thought, not vice versa. I will counter with this. Um, from a psychological or psychiatric perspective, I can't remember which one it is, but um, the idea of logic and rationality is not there so humans can better understand the world objectively. Those are tools that humans have developed as a social species to con to manipulate other people into seeing things from their point of view. Yep. There's a whole entire world out there in the philosophical space about uh, subjective relativity, subjective reality, mm -hmm. where our interpretation of the world is what's most beneficial for us. And apparently yeah. there's a theory that we've developed, uh, our brains have developed, or God has created our brains to be... <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be able to subjectively interpret situations so that we're better able to survive. Otherwise we'd be full of anxiety all the time. Yeah. If we were to look at objectively, we're gonna die a horrible fucking death really soon. Like oh. everything <laughs> out there is gonna kill us. Oh yeah, the everything's bears, gonna kill us all the time. Everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like we're not disagreeing with you there. I think we're just coming at it from a different angle that's more pejorative, but like you're not wrong. But yeah, and Weimar Please is right My on this thing, though. too. Oh, sorry. Go my ahead. You go first. To, all right. My favorite thing is to make fun of Christians because they all get very upset because Christians usually have no frame. They have God's frame. See, for me, my Christians are MGTOWs. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes me more satisfied than watching a guy telling me he's going his own way and then getting mad when I tell him, great, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, back to the, the reasonable rationality and the thing here. It's funny. Um, Again, this comes back to like Cindy Minston and David Buss. They were talking about self-deception. It turns out like men and women are sexual strategies from an evolutionary standpoint are confrontational. That's why girls hide their uh, their estrus cycle. That's why guys try to lie to get into a girl's pants, say you love her when you don't. Girls develop something called the innate skepticism bias. So they'll always call your bluff unless your signal is like a huge investment. That's why saying I love you has a girl telling you to piss off. But if you buy her a $3,000 engagement ring, then maybe. Tiered, no, no. tiered approach, tiered approach, Ryan. This is this is very interesting. I have this thought. So you say I love you when you're 16, it works. When you're 26, it doesn't work. When yeah. you're 26, you say you're so sexy. <laughs> but it's just it. Yeah, girls don't believe it because it's a very easy to fake signal. It's a natural thing. Now, the problem comes with lying is that it takes a toll. Lies are cognitively hard because you got to remember the lie. You got to be consistent with the lie and your body language always kind of, it kind of sells you out because body language is always honest because it comes from the limbic brain. You can't process it. So what people have developed, and this is what you were talking about is self-deception. If you actually believe the lie, then is it really a lie? And this is where I'm kind of with Tom Bombadil in his rationality and reasonability and logic our ability to self-rationalize or self-deceive ourselves into thinking things. That's exactly what, uh, fuck is his name? Gordon? Glenn. Exactly what Glenn is talking about. Girl cheated on him three or four times. He did it once and he's the dirtbag. In her mind, she convinced herself that hers was okay and his was bad. Objectively I mean, not true, but she believes it with her heart of heart. So when he sees that, he would normally be able to tell if she was lying, but she looks like she's being honest and truthful and that's why it's bothering him. But yeah. I'm That's literally her rationality. One, I'm What's on that? the girl side on that because, I mean, end of the day, Glenn was a douchebag cheater, so she should have been fucking those three guys before him anyway. Like, yeah, but that's the thing. Uh, no, no. 
but know? her rationalization is why that yeah. is so meaningful. And that's what got him to be so angry about it that he would talk online with a bunch yeah. of random dudes about it. It's a damn awesome adaptation that we've developed. And it's why I really, every time I see somebody bragging about how logical, high IQ and rational they are. And yes, I get it, rational male, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I think is like, it's just building building a better mousetrap. You're learning how yeah. to self-deceive better than the next guy. Yeah, don't do that, guys. We're not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Well, don't at least that. if you're going to do it, pick a lie that benefits you. Yeah. Most guys are doing that. And like, Tom, we're going to disagree on this. I'm going to say following the Lord right now is probably a horrible idea as far as your own self-development. I guess best choice of words. This guy's third because everybody I've talked to who's been part of, especially in America, any of those churches there, says at least quarterly, the preacher is up there bitching him out for being a horrible man and how he needs to do more for the women. Ouch. So I don't know if following the Lord... and. You want to go to the good book. You want to do what they actually said in Matthew 6, 6 and just pray in private and not do it in front of a group of people, you know, kind of like they want you to. That's great. You're probably going to be far better off unless you're live streaming, but that's a rouge problem. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so if you're going to believe a lie, pick one that helps you. And I hate to say it, but a bunch of nerds that were raised on feather boas, nail polish and uh, aviator goggles and picking up chicks have caught on to that more than phd scientist seems to have and that always makes me laugh mystery caught on to like well the people that followed mystery caught on to like your own mental point of origin and i think it's just a wonderful thing you're making your own lie <laughs> yeah can you can you put up uh drew's drew's cut uh the lucifer one yeah oh <laughs> so edgy <laughs> Actually, uh, what was the, that's a real argument too. I remember hearing that where it's, um, wasn't the whole reason he got cast out and it's been a while since I've had like Sunday school and shit, but it was, um, because he wanted to give mankind the ability to make their own decisions and like be independent. And Jesus was having none of that. So he kicked him yep. out. Yep. That's exactly right. Right. I mean, you know, uh, uh, the definitions that I've heard of the definitions of, uh, hell that i've heard the modern take of it in modern society is the absence of god and the devil gave humans the choice to not be forcibly uh subjected to the tyranny and dominance of god so kind of like a master and slave morality that Nietzsche exactly. was talking about. look at that aren't we getting all fancy i can pronounce nietzsche eh? <laughs> high iq takes <laughs> <laughs> Okay, maybe should. <laughs> 132. Eat it. Yeah. Oh wait, I forgot you. Yeah, oh. you're you're the smarter one. You're the PhD math guy. Can we uh go back to the topic at the end? Please do. Which is which is uh we're not gonna tell you what to do, we're gonna tell you what not to do. And then what to do, we're not gonna tell you to go to church. I'm gonna tell you not to go to church. Yeah. Yeah. Go to church. Yes, yeah. It's good for your soul. It's such a social thing. I still yeah. remember my grandparents. My grandfather had like a 1960 Chevy. It looked like it was restored, but he just never drove the thing. It was like in the 90s. And they still had that, you know, wear your Sunday best to show off in front of everybody when you go to church. Mm -hmm. I mentioned something once and I got my mouth slapped hard. <laughs> I'm not going to church. 
Well, no, about the the Matthew six six, how he's Jesus <clears throat> basically saying, and it was his way of going against like the things at the time. You don't need to go to a church and preach in front of everybody and show everybody how devout you are. In fact, you probably shouldn't because you're just flexing and nobody cares. I think I'm quoting the Bible accurately here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that once. She slapped the taste out of my mouth and I haven't brought it up since, but it kind of brings a point. Like if you really want to go to Jesus, you don't need to have a building to do it. And you sure as hell don't need a dude who hasn't had a girlfriend since he was 20 telling you how to live your life and handle your relationship because I don't think they really know. At least from the experiences I've seen, any guy who tells me about their religious advice tends to be wrong. And it always involves doing more chores to win the wife's affection. Mm -hmm. Nice quote you have up on here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this one too. All right, so Kong can confirm that I definitely am misquoting the Bible. So again, <laughs> don't listen to some random dude on the internet. <laughs> All right, back to Glenn. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is my favorite article, right? Like, you know my favorite article. I talk about this in my favorite article I've ever written. Mm -hmm. um, and the article is called The Trope of the Beta Male. Where, you know, the argument that I've put out there is, have you ever considered for a moment that you're a guy who's worth cheating on, that you deserve to be cheated on, right? People go through life, you're married 10 years, 15 years, whatever. You've changed, you're fat, you're ugly, you're boring, you don't do jack shit anymore. You're not in a challenge and you're just generally blah. Yeah, milk toast. Yeah, exactly. You know? Why would you want to be with someone like that? If you're that type of person, why would you be surprised when your wife is going to step out because there's something more fun, there's something more exciting, there's something better because you're not much worth much to be losing? Well, and that would require empathy to put yourself in that person's perspective like yeah. that. Right. And, and don't be like, well, I pay the bills. I pay, you know, I, I make the money. I take care of the kids. I mean, who cares? Yeah. Oh, yeah. single moms have shown that you don't need to. Like, it's a good to have, but it's not a requirement. Yeah. Um. Here, okay, Glenn. I don't, I'm sorry, man. We're making you, well, I'm not sorry, but I don't want to feel, I don't want you to feel bad here. We're not talking about you. You're kind of the springboard of the conversation here. This isn't about you. It's not about us. We're talking in generalities here. This is yeah. the same thing I have with MGTOWs. And honestly, we're delivering you personal value this entire podcast. Well, you're not ready to hear it, though. I mean, end yeah. of the day, Glenn, the reason that I don't engage with people who are in the center of things is because they're not, you're, you're biased. You got ego. You got ego defense. You don't want to hear the things that you're going to feel like are bashing you. And you're not going to be able to take it objectively. Because you're at the center, like you're like they're attacking me. We're not attacking you. Nope. Well, we're attacking part of the personality of who you were. But it's like if you were able to look at objectively, like, oh yeah, you know, after ten years, maybe I changed, maybe I got born, maybe whatever. Um, but to be able to do that critical self-reflection in order to understand what has actually happened revolves involves a level of vulnerability. That's really hard to achieve. In Married Red Pill, we have an own your shit thread. And as part of that own your shit thread, people are posting week in, week out. And I don't bother with people until like they're eight or nine weeks in. I don't read their posts because until they're eight or nine weeks in, that entire period is just about them getting comfortable with the fact 
that they may suck. Like yeah. if, a lot of guys, if you ask them, could you admit that you suck would have a problem with that? Could you admit that you're kind of not alpha, that you're fake alpha, right? Then, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I, it, you know. there's always that possibility too that maybe she was just bored and it was something completely yeah. out of your control. But then that's perfect too. That yeah. lets you know sometimes things just happen and there's nothing you can do about it. And you need to be okay with it. Again, yeah. the serenity prayer. Yeah. Look at yeah. this. I'm so Christian. Hey. <laughs> Start a church. Church, uh, church of Ryan Stone. Dude, don't joke. I have a feeling people would join it. I know. I would hate it. Saying. I'd be saying. so I've cynical. <laughs> televangelists make millions of dollars, man. Well, I'm even seeing it now, just in this like little community. Everybody with the private communities in that. I'm I'm trying my best to treat it the same way you would treat like a consultancy, like Deloitte, as opposed to, you know, making the masculine like it's always some combination of war, and masculine and campfires and stakes and like all those symbols of masculinity, leather based truck nuts. <laughs> like ah, oh. <laughs> and guys are following it because it feeds that need to be noble without actually having to be noble or do anything about it or even define nobility just feels good <laughs> <laughs> you've got women in your your uh, harem too like you know you got you get enough women followers you can go move to a farm in the middle of is it what manitoba and then start your canadian <laughs> <laughs> dude i don't care if it's 10 out of 10 supermodels in the droves i will never move to winnipeg ever <laughs> <laughs> no pussy is worth Winnipeg. I've been to Winnipeg. I'm a prairie boy. I was from Edmonton, Alberta. I ain't never going back. Oh, it's like, it's the perfect landscape to describe a drinking problem. If you had to paint a drinking problem, you would dream, you would paint the Manitoba or Saskatchewan <laughs> landscape. Or I guess that's the same as like the, uh, uh, the flyover States, like the great. Yeah, no, you're striking, striking home, man. Yeah. <laughs> Like a cold version of like Montana. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing too. It's not that you should have kicked her out. Should is this kind of cuts to the horror of telling you or the core of what you should do versus what you shouldn't or what you shouldn't be doing. Should is a dangerous word because should implies, and I'm going to get all high IQ on this one, but categorical imperatives should implies there's one general rule set that everybody should follow like an objective morality. And from a red pill perspective, it's just not seen as beneficial. You need to have more of a uh, relative morality to it. Things that you do are going to be good for some people and bad for others. Not do this and it's good for everybody or bad for everybody. So when you say you should have kicked her out, that's again, that's still in the female frame. If somebody cheats according to like this, and I'm going to use the Rolo term there, the feminine primary social order. Yeah, should you should have kicked her out for cheating because that's what cheaters do because you broke a breach of trust and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. You just do what you want. Like, there's no rule saying that you can't be cheated on or cheat on somebody and still be together. The question is, what is it you're trying to achieve? Yeah. Yeah, Ultimate Cad, great example of that one. He, his story was his wife uh, went out on a date with uh, an old high school friend or something like that. I might be getting the, I get the broad strokes right anyway. So he asked her about it because he tried to confront her and she lied about it. So right then, it's like you were saying before that his trust was broken. She may have slept with him. She may not have. He doesn't know. The point is, trust's no longer there. But 
He also didn't want a divorce because he didn't trust her to raise the kids on her own properly and she would probably screw them up. So he just opened the marriage up from his side of things. He got in wicked shape, just started sleeping with everything, everything around the neighborhood. In fact, some of his best stories were like, and he would say, is like, the only reason I'm here, it's not because I'm woe is me. I've got great frame. I don't care. It's just that I can't brag about this stuff anywhere else. <laughs> and I'm like, that is the best value ad I've ever seen. My life is awesome, but I need somebody to brag to. So here, here's what life could be like if you really take the bull by the horns. And I thought that was wonderful. Jack hated the, him, but I thought it was it, great. The couple of things about this one too, right? I mean, I should have, like, don't live in the past. You didn't. You made a choice about your, you didn't, you wanted your son and you were willing to try to deal with it. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you got to own the decisions that you made, even if you think that you could have done something. Take the past and use it to make better choices in the future, but never dwell on the past. When exactly. I was uh, 21, I should have made out with that girl, Monica, but I didn't. And I still beat myself over up a little bit. But, yeah. Dude, for me, it was playing Brian McKnight with my girlfriend, Sarah, when I was 20. She dumped me that night. Fucking Brian <laughs> McKnight. <laughs> Brian McKnight ruined my sex life. <laughs> That's actually one of my chapters in the book. Brian McKnight ruined my <laughs> ruined my sex life. <laughs> but yeah, nobody yeah. can fault you for it. No. I mean, even if they do, it's not your business. And exactly. it's just a choice you have to make. Now, here's the beauty of what I would say with the married red pill guys in particular, is that guys do this eventually when they get their shit together. They own their decision and they write field reports on it. So what happens is when you come into this situation, which happens more often than you can believe... A lot more. A lot more. You'll be able to say, like a guy like me, or you know, wine more please, or somebody who's been around a while can say, okay, I've seen this about the last twenty times. I've seen guys that take her back. I've seen guys that open up the marriage on their own unilaterally. I've seen guys that divorce. Here's what they ended up having, and so you kind of have an understanding of what the consequences of each individual decision are going to be, so you know what you're trying to achieve, and if the consequences of one better align with that, then you kind of get a little bit of guidance on what to do. But that's the same. It's not the same as telling you what to do. It's showing you or it's teaching you what not to do. Yep. So in your and case, you cheat on her. She calls you a dog. Everything goes back to normal. It's like, well, the consequences there are <clears throat> trust is gone. She hurts my feelings. We're still in the house together as good parents until the kid turns 18. I can live with that. That's fine. Maybe it's, I'm going to divorce her. My, uh, dignity here and if the trust is gone then what's the point i'd rather the kid has two well-adjusted parents separately than a dysfunctional one together and you see that working out for you then that's your consequence then you own that one too but again there's gonna be no right answers it's just you finding one that best aligns with what you're trying to accomplish i think is that a, that's a pretty good way of putting it i think i stumble a lot through the words i think so and here's the thing though like you put the story up on the manosphere half the manosphere is going to divorce her or cheat on her too, or whatever, right? And it's like, I'm not in the business of telling you that you should divorce her or that you should cheat on her or whatever. What I'm gonna tell you is I'm in the business of telling you what not to do. And the what not to do here is don't let other people judge you. Like I hear your story and the one thing that stands out to me is you are upset because you're letting other people judge you. Fairly or unfairly, it doesn't matter. But someone else is passing judgment on you. And mm -hmm. what I think you, you should be doing, what you should be focused on, is not letting that be the case. You should be your point of mental origin. You should understand, yes, I did this. 
I'm okay with what I did and I'm living with the after effects of that and we're good, right? You can yeah. call me whatever. I don't feel bad about it or I do feel bad about it and I'm already sorry. So you don't need to pile up on me, whatever that is. Uh, by the way, thank you for sharing the story. Yeah, I mean, dude, like, this honestly. is, yeah, it takes a lot of balls to go and put that out there and engage in that level. Ooh, there's another thing. So you guys, again, back me up on this one. You wouldn't believe how many guys would post this story on either the married red pill or then once we made it the ask married red pill section they post the story we would say exactly this with a lot more expletives thrown in the guy would argue constantly and then delete his account like a day later even when it's just perfectly anonymous like right now you're just a name with a g on an icon nobody knows who you are where you're from anything about you is perfectly anonymous but people's egos are so fragile that right after this they would actually just hide all evidence of this and remove it because it hurt their feelings so much. So yeah, I like when he's saying like, thank you for sharing. He's not joking. It does take balls. And a lot of guys don't can't even muster that much. What was this still on or? Yeah, no, you're good. Okay, good. Yeah, Your microphone I, is really good. There's like no background hum to it. So when, you, when you're not talking, it sounds like you're offline. <laughs> I've got headphones right now with Bose QC's 35s. Uh, so. Just good follow up. I became red pilled after all this. I mentioned. I guess I struggle with giving no f's and not losing my son and the perspective. Yes, I'm really okay with that. I would do it again. Yeah, see, losing the son thing is hard though, right? Like, you know, here's hard. here's where you. It's supposed to be here, hard. Here's the flip side of it, right? How do you become Machiavellian enough to figure out how to win this game and reach your objectives? Um, you know, when, when it's just you. When you have to navigate the the social matrix and whatever the role is, female imperative. Well, I don't fuck those buzzwords, but society. <laughs> I'm just calling it society. Right. Um, yeah, you have to understand how to play the game and how to navigate it. Um, and you might get fucked here. That's the truth. You may have to mentally prepare yourself to get mentally, you know, to to get fucked. Or at least prepare mitigating. Oh, here's my risk analysis stuff. Yeah, it's called mitigating strategies. If you're gonna get screwed over on this thing, then what can you do to move that bar to something that you can live with? If it's custody, and here's a great example I use for guys. Um, I don't know how it works in the states, but in Canada, once a kid hits, I think it's 13 years old, they're allowed to say which parents they can live with. Sometimes, if you're gonna be in a separation and the kid is like 10 or something like that and you want the kid to live with you and the mom is objectively a bad choice, you could either spend $100,000 on court fees to have it mandated by the court or just be such an awesome dad that he'll just move in with you at when he wants to anyway. Because the thing about custody, it's not so much custody means you have to sleep on somebody's roof. It just means legally they're the custodian. They have to live with you or they have to, they're responsible for the behavior and conduct. They're the ones on the hook for things. But that doesn't mean, even if you don't if you don't have custody or it's 50-50, but the kid's like, I hate you, mom. I'm going to go live with dad. Like, you can't stop them. You can't physically drag them back to mom's house and put them in there. So losing, losing your son isn't so much losing your son. It's just losing legal custody. And I don't think we talk about that enough because people treat custody as if it means once custody's gone, then, you know, he's dead to you. Well, I don't think that's accurate. You're hitting on a great point because with my daughter, I don't have to be present to have a presence all the time. Yeah. Um, 
And tucking her in at night, kissing her on the forehead and reading books probably feels really good. Yeah. But that's that's for you. That's not for her. Exactly. For her, for my daughter, the only thing I want her to know, and what she does is I'm paying attention. And uh, even if I'm not there, I'm paying attention. So, like, I take weekends to San Francisco, and, you know, it's just par for the course. But the whole notion of me not being there doesn't mean I'm not there or attentive. Yeah. I'll know. I'll know. So, plus she's going to be looking up to you. Like when she gets older, you're the first example of like what a man should be in her life. Sure. Yeah. You're the one she looks up to. And so you setting a great example of what a man is, is the kind of thing that she can eventually use when she starts dating. So she doesn't end up with a soy boy, I guess, for lack of a better term. I was throwing crayons at the <laughs> restaurant yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> She will if she leaves. Girls do she that. Will. She's going to do it. Like yep. You got no control over that, right? Mary Red Pill says, focus on what you can control. What you can control are your relationship with your son on some level. Two, and your attitude. Attitude and mindset, right? If you're going to be a depressed, negative Nancy fuck, people are going to pick up on that. And you're not going to be fun to be around. People don't want to be around you. Yeah, And, and, and there's so what happens. Exactly. And worst case scenario, it might be, I have mentioned this, people, it ruffles feathers, mostly because you're not a dad, you wouldn't know. But I'm like, look, if you just look at this objectively, there is a chance if somebody was, let's say your kid's five years old, you get divorced, mom gets full custody, she moves out of state, that stuff that's outside of your control, you can't do anything about it. She's going to be filling his head with lies about how much of a dirtbag you are. Until the kid turns 18, you're going to have no way of influencing that stuff. But at the same time, the kid's eventually going to become an adult and learn to start thinking for himself. Is dad really as bad as this? And you know, you have a dinner with the kid and then you kind of bring out like, look, mom did all this stuff. I had no control over it, but instead of paying a hundred thousand dollars fighting her in court, here's a college fund. Yep. That sucks for you. But for the kid, could you not objectively argue then that you're being a better, you're raising a better kid that way? Yeah. Even though mom weaponized you against me, well, I've made sure you've living the best adult life you can. And here's what I can do. It's just an example, but that's a fantastic that's, point. I mean, yeah. You know, do you want to be a good dad or do you want to raise good kids? Cause there's a difference. Yeah. You're doing things for the kid, not for yourself. I mean, that's value add, right? When we go back to value add, you go back into, you know, not what you should do, but it's like the things that I'm doing for my daughter aren't for me. They're for her. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make her life better. I'm not trying to make my life better as her being a function. This is why if you go to like these little youth sports, you have all these parents who are like trying to live vicariously through their kids. Doesn't have shit to do with their kids. It has everything to do with the parents. I think that's very wrong. Oh, dude. It, it got so bad in Canada with hockey parents. They actually had PSAs out. There was one oh, no. where a dad was playing hide and seek with his kid. It's absolutely hilarious. And the kid was hiding and he goes, starts yelling at the kid. That's not where you hide. He like pulls open a manhole cover. He's like, get in there. That's where you hide. And they're like, why is it okay on the ice? <laughs> but yeah, I think they were trying to make it a shocking example to shame parents and to stop living vicariously through their kids. But I just, that 20 years later, and I'm still laughing at that commercial. <laughs> if I find it, I'll tweet it out. It's absolutely hilarious. Just yelling at the kid, pointing at a manhole. <laughs> oh, Aaron, and guaranteed, the same way that we were talking earlier about how nothing a guy does is out of vacuum, it's always from outside influence. 
most of the time, if you're blindsided by a really stupid idea that comes out of nowhere from your wife, it's because somebody's filling her head with nonsense. <laughs> Almost every time. That's why they say, what is the rule? Uh, the best indicator if you're going to get a divorce is whether your girl's friends are getting divorced. They follow the authority. Well, she got divorced. She's an authority. She's telling me how great her life is off of Xanax and martinis. I guess I should get one too. Don't want to go against the herd. Toilet paper, man. That's why we got a toilet paper shortage going on. I might have to upgrade this to a three toilet paper scenario now. <laughs> three out of five toilet papers of panic, boys. All right, man. If you get the whole wall filled up, I'll respect you a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got tons. But that's... No, I mean, you're flexing on the toilet paper hoard. Oh, yeah. That's the modern gold, right? Like a pool of gold. <laughs> you got a wall of toilet paper. Oh, dude, it'll be sweet. It's going to be right up there with like my alpha male war room of uh, masculine pinnacle alphaness. Private community, $497 per month. You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll say this. We're, we've switched our strategies. At first, it was not panicking. Like we can already cook. We just... Instead of buying the one kilogram rice, we bought the eight kilogram just in case. Rice, beans, <laughs> corn. No matter what happens, that's covered. But now we're kind of having to run with the bulls. And if you guys don't know, when you run with the bulls in Spain, the problem doesn't come with the bulls goring you. It's with the guys you're running with accidentally hurting you. So we're kind of, all right. So what, what kind of stupid things are stupid people going to do when they panic? They're probably going to clean out grocery stores. So let's just buy some extra food. They're probably going to clean out toilet paper. Let's make sure we have a month's supply and they're going to clean out coffee. So we went to, we went and got enough beans to last for the month. And we're like, good. <laughs> as long as the mortgage is paid, we're good to go. Everything else is handled. And at this point, everything is bonus. Yep. Well prepared. Well prepared. Oh, we bought more, we bought more, uh, dishwasher soap or, and, and, and like soap. So we can always wash our hands. And that's basically all you can do to prepare for this. The rest is just everybody's need to know. Like you guys with that testing, isn't that what everybody's panicking now? America is enough. I have no idea, man. Uh, America's panicking because everyone else is panicking. I mean, but like you said earlier, the reality is, is you're probably just going to get a little flu from this yep. and it'll be done. Pretty and much. Be... And then the testing is just, if you get it, you're going to know. Yeah. You're going to feel sick. But then if you don't, but it's already symptom before it's symptomatic, you could get, yeah, well, then you've already you're already going to get it. It's just it's going to happen. It's slightly worse than the flu, but we're not talking the bubonic plague, which so far the plague has actually killed more people this year than coronavirus. Just want to throw that out there. The plague <laughs> is still a thing and it's still running rampant. And nobody wow. gave a shit about it because they don't have a PR department. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're closing man. the parks. Why would you close a park? That's got to be like the safest place to be. It's around nature, isn't nature? Good for your health. Isn't that what people are bragging about? Suntanning your assholes being the best way of good life. <laughs> Everybody should be out there. Spread wide eagle against Corona. It, actually, yeah, you're, you're, you're a scientist. Can you catch Corona anally? <laughs> I don't know. How much ass do you eat? <laughs> if I rub my eye onto somebody's butthole, will I get sick or will I be okay? That's the, that's the question. You will get answer. sick. Guarantee you're going to get sick. Is it going to be Corona? No, probably not. You'll probably get pink eye. <laughs> Dude, I was... Good they wiped. I'm actually pretty psyched about this. So I live like right on the downtown core in Toronto. 
right by the stadium. And every day after 4.30 until about 7, I can't drive anywhere and leave my house because traffic to get out to the suburbs is so bad. Lately, 5 o'clock, it's empty. <laughs> the traffic jam now is like between 5.30 and 5.45. And I'm like, this virus has been the best thing ever for me to get errands <laughs> done. And I am thankful for it. <laughs> I'm, there, I'm there's a cognitive reef. Oh yeah, that's right. Work and work from home. Yeah, How many people now are finding that they can work from home and get just as much work done in less time? Cause I don't know about you, but I know for my wife's work, a lot of her coworkers are, they feel guilty. They turned out their eight hour workday. That's always swamped. And they're always super busy. They work from home. Half the meetings that they used to have that just sit there and everybody talks for no reason don't matter anymore. So they don't take them. They get their entire workday done in like three, four hours. And then they go through that phase where they feel guilty for the other four. So they kind of just do make work stuff and like play around with spreadsheets or whatever. But yeah, people are finding out how much of their time they're actually wasting now that they don't have the consistency to waste it on. I'm, I'm less productive actually, because those little things, the interpersonal interactions at work, uh -huh. where you have the five in the conversations, that's where all the real knowledge transfer is happening. Ah, but you actually have those because you know how to be social. I love yeah. those. The water cooler stuff is, the, mm -hmm. I called it, they call it the grapevine, I think, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yep. Yeah, the corporate grapevine was awesome, but almost nobody did that. I think you are the only other person I've heard of that does that when they were at their work. Yeah, it's the only things with them because everything else, you're right. Just do it on your own. You don't need to. Yeah. Heck, I've gotten, I've had more productive meetings in front of a urinal than I have in any office space. Yeah. I used yeah, to joke about that. Directly like, to the point. Yeah, I drank so much coffee. I used to go to the bathroom all the time. My CTO would be there all the time. And, hey, sir, how's it going, chief? And this, 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 <laughs> this is coming up. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're just talking. And then he would let me know stuff there in the C-suite that I would have to wait normally for, like, corporate memorandums to come out with. So yep. I'm already in the loop, spread it in my department. They're like, how'd you find this stuff out? I took a piss. <laughs> so that part's yep. going to be sad, but nobody uses it. So I don't think it's going to be missed. Among, except for amongst like high performing people. And maybe Slack is going to be able to fill the gap, spreading memes on Slack channels with corporate, <laughs> with the people that you need to talk to. I don't know. Yo, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the next month. But I think it's going to be neat. I'm putting my money on the not panicking, just base level preparation against stupidity as opposed to the actual virus. And I am going to look forward to what happens when this all comes out in the wash. In three months from now, and the panic is done. I want to see all these guys with PhDs, blue checks, the chicken little styes. I want to see how they justify this widespread panic. I, mean, I know they're going to hand wave it away, but I'm just looking for those mental gymnastics. No, they're, so they're just going to call it. It was precautionary. Yeah. I mean, this is all precautionary, right? At the end of the it's... day, this is, you know, it would have been worse if you didn't do it. So, right. <laughs> Aaron's here. Awesome one. You know what's funny? I found PewDiePie does that. I watched his that one video. Did you see that one where he says, uh, just because he's bored in lineups at grocery stores and that, he'll cough just to see everybody else panic around him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what a wonderful level of irreverence. <laughs> but, and then, to be fair, if I was in America, I probably would stockpile a little bit of ammo. Not because of the panic or the zombies, but I just don't trust, especially if I was in like Florida. Trust Florida, man, not to start coming for canned goods with a shotgun. But again, that's running with the bulls. I'm not worried about the bull. I'm worried about the idiot running beside me. 
But it's oh, never guys yeah. in the city anyway. That's the ones you have to worry about. Rural America, nobody's no. going to come find you. No. People are no. just going to go hunt and chop down trees. It's in the city that people are going to come door to door knocking for free goods, pulling a, Ro a Rwanda the home game. I know the neighbors of my neighborhood who have guns, so it's important information to know. Yeah, it's yeah. good important. It's probably best then if you don't want to be that guy who's known that you don't flex with your AR-15 on social media all the time to let people know. <laughs> By the way, if you need ammo, as long as you take me out, all this. <laughs> oh, man, this is hilarious. What if this coronavirus is just a large global pickup? Uh, what is it? PU Underground? <laughs> simulation dude i'm calling it like black friday for normies it's like a black friday every day it's that same panic that same i must buy things like toilet paper if dry goods ran into a shortage i could say it's panic because of people being pragmatic but the fact that toilet paper is the be all and end all i have a feeling the only reason people are stocking up on that is because they saw a bunch of tiktoks of people fighting over toilet paper and Which they don't know why crazy. they need it. They just know everybody else is fighting over it. Some guy got stabbed over that shit. How do you get really? stabbed over toilet paper? Yeah. Like, like there was a fight that broke out in a Costco and some guy got stabbed. And the worst part about it, or the most surprising part, not the worst, but the most yeah. surprising part, it was white people. <laughs> what the hell? I know. I can see doing it over a pair of Jordans, but toilet paper? At a Costco? In a suburb? That's true. Who brings a knife to a Costco? No, no, it was broken glass. Oh. <laughs> I'm picturing that Simpson episode where like, or like uh, Anchorman when they have the Anchorman fights just grabbing a bottle from the Costco lineup. Right. Smash. Right. It's on, boys. Bunch of monkeys having a knife fight in the streets. <laughs> right. It makes no sense. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. Let them thin themselves out. Oh, boy. I guess we should probably wrap it up soon. I'm going to have rule zero. We're having the coronavirus episode. We're going to jump on that, jump on that sweet, sweet ad revenue and engagement <laughs> and talk more about pragmatic preparation on these kind of things. So we'll see. Oh, you're going to do the whole uh, real alpha, real alpha stuff. That's I awesome. Good idea for embracing the real alpha episode. <laughs> Let me know when you start digging that bunker. Oh, dude. Oh. <laughs> We'll see. I'm hoping I usually end up being like the uh, the jaded voice of reason in some of these things. I'm kind of irreverent like John. John's just a little more clownish about it, which I find is hilarious. But we generally kind of like every one of our sentences start with, see, these fucking idiots and <laughs> insert reasonable discussion right there. <laughs> oh, All right. So I guess we can end this one. I used to usually the part where I tell the guy pitch the stuff. If you have anything that people can find you on, but I know you don't want people to find you. Uh, I, you know, I've been thinking about this. Hmm. My Twitter is a 288. If we can get that up to a thousand, I'll show you guys my butthole. So there you go. All right. I'm adding that to the chat. All right. Find more please for butthole. Oops. Oh, <laughs> I spelled it with the bobs and vagina spelling. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so in uh 23 minutes we're gonna be doing rule zero it's gonna be the coronavirus episode i believe we're on troy's channel check it out i hope you've gotten some value out of this i'm gonna give a special shout out to glenn doing the lord's work and i mean that thank you tom for giving me something else here that i gotta go look up and research now because my 
<laughs> my to-do list is not long enough, but uh, I will give it a general look. I figure you went through the effort of giving me a super chat to bring it to my attention. The least I could do was give it a cursory glance. Thanks again. One more, please. Anytime we can carve any of, out, any of your time out to improve these guys' lives, I think it's well worth it. And it is truly a gift. And I do, I do sincerely appreciate it because I know you don't have a lot of free time, even in the virus. <laughs> yeah, glad to be here. Glad to be here. <laughs> it's fun. And I guess we'll end it on Return of the Max uh, wisdom there. All right, catch you guys. Catch you guys in a bit. 